Welcome to Co-op Mode, round 51. This is the official video game podcast of Secret Friends Unite. I'm your host, Todd Oxtra. And tonight, I am joined by a very special guest. But before I introduce him, I just want to say uh, I want to send out uh, thoughts and prayers to my co-host, Mark. He had a death in the family and could not be on the show tonight. So uh, we are thinking about you, Mark, and you take your time and come back when you are ready. Um. So with that, though, uh, we had set up a guest, and I'm glad we did so because we are still having Canadian representation. Not a Canadian, but uh, a very respected video game podcaster, video game producer uh, extraordinaire for videos uh, for a little podcast I call the Xbox Drive. Well, he calls it as well. But it's the man on the moose, Ryan Turford. Welcome. Hello. Hello, friends. I hope everyone is having a lovely evening, even though it's probably snowing wherever you are. Uh, I bet it's the holidays. It's supposed to do that, right? So it makes sense. Very course, little snow in Minnesota, Ryan. It's, it's surprisingly surprising. here in Toronto. Very little snow either. But I was literally looking at the footage of Sean Capri, my co-host of the Xbox Drive footage today when we recorded our podcast. And there was snow everywhere. It, looked, it was ridiculous. And I mean, I've been seeing pictures on my timeline of people reporting snow all day today uh but here in toronto it's been uh it's been very mild there's like maybe like a centimeter of snow today which is very little very little but i'm glad that i can at least represent canada and, and fill in for mark at least a little bit uh bring some little canadian flavor to this podcast uh i no, i don't actually own a moose moose i'm sorry this is a nickname you know that's okay we, we, we i'm sure though you are close with mounties and other people that are very canadian you you're, you probably represent tim hortons sure i mean there's there's a uh there's tim hortons everywhere i mean to be fair i haven't been to a tim hortons in almost a year it's been a long time but when i used to work at the office back when you know i wasn't working from home i was going to tim hortons like every day because you got it you got it that's where you get coffee right tim that's the default answer i mean more than anything the most canadian thing i do is i buy milk but in bags because yes. bag milk is totally a thing here. Uh, it's either that or all dressed chips, which is also a very Canadian thing as well. While well, you're drinking a Molson and yeah. Uh, yeah. Now you're going too far. Now you're going too far. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, most Canadians don't like Molson. You got to have, uh, you got to go. If anything, if you want to be a, like a more uh, mainstream Canadian beer, you got to go with something like a Labatt blue, I think is probably. Okay. A there better. we go. A nice Pilsner. Yes, yes, that makes total sense, total sense. So, Ryan, you are Canadian, but uh, we want to know a little bit more about you. So, Ryan, give us your geek origin and how you became the cool cat you are today. All right, so here's the thing. I'm fairly old. I'm I'm in my uh, late 30s, so, of course, that means I grew up in the 80s. Or, uh, and uh, I was first sort of introduced to video games really 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 young my, both my parents were, were were are dorks in fact they are still dorks to this day um my my dad was very into sci-fi and my mom was very into vampires so as a result video games were plentiful in our household although my, my neither of my parents actually play video games still um and our first my our very first console was the calico gemini have you ever heard of the calico gemini todd do, or do you even know what that is I'm aware of the ColecoVision from okay. the Connecticut Leather Company, but not of the Gemini. So the Gemini is actually an offshoot of the ColecoVision, where it was a Coleco uh, console that also played Atari games, Atari 2600 games, out of the box. So it was essentially a two-in-one console. It was it was actually exclusive to Canada and a couple other regions. Like it was also exclusive to Sears for 
some weird reason. Um, so it actually, we, we had a bunch of, so I grew up basically with like Atari 2600 games and ColecoVision games because it played both, essentially. So uh, I, I grew up with games like Donkey Kong on the ColecoVision or Star Wars Jedi Duels on the, the 2600, which is a really bad game. Don't go back and revisit that one. It's it's awful. Um, sure you just played Ladybug and was it Smurf was another top 10 game on ColecoVision? Yeah, we didn't have too many of the ColecoVision games. It was mostly <laughs> 2600 games because sure. there weren't too many good ones, right? So, mm. um, but then uh, that was vi- when I was very young. Those were my first memories of playing playing uh, Star Wars with my my mom and having a good time. Uh, and it wasn't really until I got my NES uh, with with the Mario Brothers Duck Hunt 2 pack that I know a lot of people in our in your audience probably had as kids uh, that I really got into video games like. I basically played Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt like nonstop to the point where my mom was like, OK, you need to play another game. So I'm going to go to the store and get you the, the whatever game I think looks coolest to me. So she came home with Castlevania one and two oh, at wow. the same time because she loves vampires. So it just makes sense. Like it's like spooky castle and everything like that. And I, I fell in love with that. And it really wasn't until Super Metroid came along, which, again, is going much farther into the future where I realized, hey, Video games are something that's always going to be a constant in my life, I think. that they, uh, It's something that's always going to be part of my life no matter what happens um, because I'd been around video games at that point for long enough to kind of know that they would always kind of be there as one of my, my favorite things to, to do in my free time or even it's just always been my passion ever since then. And um, even in high school and being an adult, like I used to play the – I was telling Sean Capri this on, on previous episodes of the Xbox Drive, but I used to be like – an esports gamer on PC back before esports actually existed really in full force where playing like star Wars, Jedi Knight or uh, starcraft competitively, uh, wow. going to a bunch of tournaments and, and playing for money and stuff. And, uh, those were the good old days back when they were, that was very low key. And of course I retired at the ripe age of 25, just like every esports player does. And, uh, now I just play games for fun or for, content i mean again I, I love making content i've always my my other passion besides video games is creating content i mean that's what i do at my day job and that's what i love doing out when i'm not at work so um i actually really love just making content about video games more than anything combining my two passions together is uh it's pretty awesome so uh that's what led to me to be being a nerd today uh it's just it's always been video games though that's really gotten me into it i mean i always grew up with like sci-fi movies and fantasy movies because my again my parents love that stuff and uh it definitely got me into uh the nerd spirit as one would say that's fantastic so yeah i'm gonna veer a little bit because sure you always talk about video games what is your favorite franchise outside of video games okay so my favorite franchise outside of video games Honestly, it's probably the Alien franchise because even though it's been terrible, it's or I should say hit and miss, I should say. Some entries are good, some entries are bad. But I was obsessed with not just the Alien movies, but Alien comic books, Alien novels, the figures, like everything about the Alien franchise uh, has always been very special to me, which in a way it kind of makes sense when you think about my video game tastes, because my favorite video game of all time is Super Metroid. And the Metroid series as a whole has been so like influenced by the alien franchise that it kind of makes sense that my two favorite things uh from two different mediums would just go hand in hand so uh yeah i mean the alien franchise is up there um otherwise i watch a lot of anime 
So <laughs> I, I, I love the Dragon Ball franchise in particular. I, I love Sailor Moon, which is a weird choice, but uh, I, I don't know. I just there's something about magical girls that's uh, very interesting. I don't know. Um, but those are some of my favorite franchises. But outside of video games, I'd say those are probably those are probably my top three. But I'm, I'm less of a franchise person. When it comes to stuff outside of video games, like I don't really watch a lot of long running TV shows. If it's a TV show, for example, that's um, like 13 or 26 episodes and then it ends or like more of a miniseries, for example, Mm -hmm. that's more the type of thing I'm into. Um, Likewise, with movies, for example, I'm not really into like long uh, running series um, for that reason as well. Like I I kind of love short, concise stories. Um, I've always kind of been like that. Um, which is why I don't really have a ton of franchises that really resonate with me. Um, in fact, it was hard even coming up with those three in particular. But Wow. But yeah, I mean, that's just the type of person I always am. That's one of the reasons why I like anime in particular as well, because like anime, a lot of series are set up that way, where they're 13 or 26 episodes, and then you're at the end of the series, and that's over, and they don't come back for a second season. Or if they do, it's an offshoot or something completely different. Um, so, And that's kind of how I feel about video games, too, where a lot of the video games I like are like, are not long running series i mean i do like some games that are like that but i don't like stories that are stretched out over time that that's just kind of how i feel about it pretty cool well i'm not sure if you heard but there's going to potentially be an aliens tv series i saw out. that it's not potential they announced it it, it oh, really so i wasn't 100 percent sure if that was real or not yeah it's it's i think it's coming to hulu I think Disney was saying, but uh, yeah, it got announced along with all those other uh, Star Wars and Marvel TV shows. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, I am psyched for that. I'm because I think that that's that's a concept that I think could really work. It just depends on how they're going to how they're going to approach it. I'm interested to see how how they're going to do that. But uh, especially when they did, uh, I think they did some alien short films last year um, from a bunch of different independent filmmakers. Each one was about seven minutes and told like a, a really interesting story from start to finish. And those were all really well done. Um, so I think taking that series outside of the movies, I think they could do some interesting stuff with it. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what, what they'll do with it. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for giving us a little more uh, insight into you. We want to transition to the hotline. We got a call from Henry Nias, who asks a very specific question. It's actually well-timed with you being on. This is Henry Nias. I want to know what is the best five games on the Game Pass? And that's a hard question because I was just telling Ryan, I just looked. And now with some of the additions that have been just added, there are over 355 games for console if you have Ultimate and you play on cloud. I think all of the cloud games are included within console. So there's nothing exclusive to cloud, but there are some exclusives to PC, some exclusives to console. So, But 355 games, that's amazing. Yeah. There's way too so, many. So I don't know how we're going to come up with five I mean, we might have to even not even do some overlapping. We'll see. I mean, we could go a number of different ways with this. Absolutely. And Henry is, is a young a young boy, so mature content might not be the ones we would go after, but those are obviously things that we would be appreciative of. But, you know, there's just so much in regards to family-friendly, action and arcade, especially with additions with EA Play. So just go ahead and give me uh, your first pick. All right, my first pick. Now, again, I'm going to – because knowing – Knowing the the, the listener that, that's going up here, I, I will say I'll give five family family choices. And my first one is actually a very recent addition to Game Pass, and that is Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. This is actually from Platonic Studios. Um, it's a 2D action platformer 
um, in the and it basically continues the ukulele franchise. But I was never really into the first game. Um, but what what I really love about this game is it plays very similarly to another series that I really like, which is the Donkey Kong Country games over on uh, the. Uh, the Super Nintendo, where it uh, you basically do a lot of rolling and the platforming just feels very tight and fluid. Um, the level design is really well done. And honestly, this is a, a great family-friendly game. But, I mean, honestly, even if you want to play it by yourself, uh, it's still a super fun time. Like, I'm so glad that this game is part of Game Pass now because I know a lot of people missed it when it came out last year, but I know both myself and Sean over at the Xbox Drive, this is one of our favorite games from last year. And uh, in already a, a pretty packed year of games. And you can literally in the impossible layer, if you like 2D platforming games, you should not miss it. They, this game is incredible and I definitely recommend it. So I'm going to get through ukulele up there as my number five. What do you, what about you, Todd? Oh my goodness. So many, many choices. Uh, one that was just recently added and I don't know how appropriate it is, but uh, Skyrim. Wow. That was just added the special edition one of the things I'm still heartburned on my 360 saves are still <laughs> trapped on my 360 because Bethesda decided they were going to cash in and make a, a a version that was upgraded, but the saves now transfer. But I adore that game. It includes all the expansions, so much content, and it's a game that the side quests are almost as fun as the main. Uh, it's fantastic. My son loved it. He's 15, but he played it when he was 12. But yeah, I would put that as probably one of my topics. Very nice. Uh, next, so next for me, I would say, if you want, I got to throw a driving game on here, and obviously, the choice you got to go with Forza Horizon Four, one of the best racing games of all time. Um, this, of course, is from Playground Games, and uh, it's got a ton of content. You basically ri- drive around Britain in cool cars. Um, of course, you can just totally uh, tune the game based on your preferences. So you could either make it as realistic or arcadey as you want it to be. You can drive through people's fences if you want to and just have a great time just driving around. Uh, but it's actually uh, what what makes it special is it really feels kind of like a, a car RPG. You don't have like car stats like an RPG is. So you don't. But the way that you progress through the game feels like an RPG. And uh, I love the Forza Horizon games in particular. I'm, I'm less of a fan of the more sports games, even though I love Gran Turismo, uh, which is also like a realistic sim series like the motorsport games. Uh, but Forza Horizon 4, that game's really special. And normally I would say Forza Horizon 3, but it's not on Game Pass. So I can't actually recommend that one because that's my favorite Horizon-specific game. But Forza Horizon 4 will take the, the, the silver trophy as the second place winner of the race between those two games. So that is my number four. And it does not include the Lego content, correct? That's no. that's all extras that you buy, right? You do have to buy that separately, unfortunately. Okay. But the Lego content's great. So if you actually really like what you play, I mean, you get the the, the DLC at a discount for be, as being a Game Pass member. So um, it is definitely a good route to go if you are, are playing the game and you're enjoying it. Um, the DLC is not too expensive, and it's definitely worth it. It adds a lot of content, and the Lego cars are just super cool. Absolutely. My pick would be Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I did not care for the first Ori for some reason. Something didn't click. I don't know. The uh, maybe the save points or there was something about it. I just didn't. I never finished it. I went back to it and I still it just still didn't click. But Ori and the Will of the Wisps is fantastic. Um, My only gripe was at the time it had a lot of bugs. I played it on Xbox One S. And it wasn't fine-tuned yet. Now I know they have upgraded it. It is actually up to 6K, I think, uh, on Series X. 
<laughs> and it is a fantastic game. And that's a game where you do not have to have played the first. It adds to it in regards to the storytelling. But that is such a perfect um, Metroidvania-style game that uh, I, I just – my son and I both played it, and we loved it. Very nice. Yeah, uh, that would be one that, that I would definitely put on my list. And, uh, yeah, I think that's also a must-play, especially if you like Metroidvania games like – Got to play Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, but for the sake of keeping our list uh, and, and kind of giving uh, Henry the most bang for his buck, I'm going to uh, not put it on my list. And instead, I'm going to talk about an EA game that actually just came to the service. And I'm going to start with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Of course, this is a Star Wars game uh, that where you play as Cal Kestis, who is a, a Jedi survivor of or, uh, Order 80, 80, it's, or Order 66. I think that that's what it is. It's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, basically, he's trying to basically uh, tr- uh, regain all of his force powers so he can try and help some of his friends kind of rebuild the Jedi Order. Um, and it takes place between uh, Star Wars 3 and 4. And uh, it's just a fantastic game from top to bottom. Um, it's it, uh, it respects your time because it's not too short and it's not too long. It's got this, this the right the the right pace, I think, and uh, it's got a, a lot of exploration and a lot of content packed in. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun, and I think it's fun for all ages. Yes, it's, it's a little more mature than some of the other games I'm probably going to recommend. But uh, Jedi Fallen Order, I think, if you like Star Wars at all and you've never played it and you've always wanted to be a Jedi, it's worth checking out, and it's great. You got bonus points because Sean, his father, is a huge Star Wars fan. So winner, winner, chicken dinner. Wow, wow, wow. This is almost a gimme because uh, he was talking about this, but I really have got to say Destiny 2. Destiny 1, I put 250 hours in. Love that game. Destiny 2, I have played up to Forsaken, and I have held off because I will eventually get uh, to play it when uh, it comes to Game Pass on PC and get all of the content. Um, Sean is also a huge Destiny fan, and it's funny because Henry, who, uh, while he's young, he's actually doing farming in Destiny for his father. <laughs> so he, he just got like this ex- exec, uh, exotic sword, and I'm like, that's pretty funny. I let my son play at around 11-ish or something like that because it's um, a little more fanciful than, say, like Call of Duty. But I, I just – there's so much to do in Destiny, and, and the, the way this game is now versus the way it was when I lived through all of the, the, the clunkiness, it's just a great game. I, I really enjoy it, and it has so much replay value. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, I've never really been someone that's been super into Destiny, um, but I w- really wanted to give it a chance when the when the, the Series X and Series S enhancements came, um, and I played it the other day, and uh, I really liked what I played. So I'm hoping that uh, maybe I'll, I'll fall down the rabbit hole with Destiny, even though for whatever reason I've, I've never actually fallen down the rabbit hole with it. And I mean, I've always been into MMOs, for example, um, but for whatever reason, Destiny's never really done it for me, but maybe I should give it an actual another chance i think i think uh it'd be pretty sweet well my next one um i'm gonna go old school and give you an old rpg that is on game pass um in fact it's not just one rpg it's a collection of rpgs in one one nifty little bundle and that is kingdom hearts hd 1.5 and 2.5 holy cow i forgot that was on there yeah well actually fun fact 
all of the Kingdom Hearts games are on uh, Game Pass up to Kingdom Hearts 3. So you can play the entire saga of Kingdom Hearts games, which is literally like 12 games included in like the three the three packages. Oh, in that's there. right. And, that would have the uh, did they have like the DS and GBA games and, as well? and the PSP games. And wow. uh, yeah, it's literally every Kingdom Hearts game ever released in basically the, the two packages. So uh, the one that highlighted highlighted, though, is 1.5 and 2.5, which has Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, as well as Birth by Sleep, which was the PSP game, uh, which gives you kind of the first half of the series. And it gives you some cinematic stuff from some of the mobile games and stuff like that to kind of fill in some of the gaps in the story. Um, but the reason I recommend these is I think that for someone who's new to RPGs, um, or who skews younger, for example, I think these these are a great place to start with. Um, I think that the combat's pretty fun. Um, if you like Disney at all, like you're going to really be into these games because you go to a lot of the Disney worlds from the different movies. Yes, obviously, some of the since these are older games, they'll be from some of the older Disney movies or some of the ones that came out around when the games were coming out in the, the mid 2000s. Um, like you go to the Nightmare Before, Before Christmas or Hercules or um, the Little Mermaid, like all of those worlds. And you get to interact with a lot of the characters that you grew up with from watching Disney movies. And uh, I think it's a fantastic choice um, for someone who just, who wants to get into RPGs, but also just wants a ton of gameplay uh, to pull it out here. And I was also thinking of maybe putting something like final fantasy 12 on this list um, or one of the other final fantasy games. But I think if you're going to play one RPG on this, on game pass right now, it's got to be kingdom hearts 1.5 and 2.5. If you've never played them. It's a great pick. Great pick. Yeah. I, go back and when i was playing those on ps2 it was so much fun i never thought we'd get another one because they were taking forever um but yeah it's great that 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 resource is there for xbox for so long we didn't know if it was ever going to come to xbox so that's great that it's being supported now Mm -hmm. um let's see Uh, this is kind of a pick that brings me back to a game series my son loved and the great part is they're all represented here because of ea and that is plants versus zombies this is essentially almost like a Nintendo-like first-person shooter, a squad game, where you have classes. And I love Plants vs. Uh, Zombies, the original. that was mm-hmm. on PC, came to other things. That was more of a, uh, I guess, a lane-based uh, real-time game. And the fact that they were able to translate it into a very fun, family-friendly, um, essentially a squad-based, class-based shooter game with a lot of uh really i guess it, it was thought out well in regards to the classes the humor the way you they went from a 2d to essentially a 3d uh shooter it's co-op it's got split screen so i think it's a game series and i'm not sure exactly what my son would call out as being the highlight of that i think he'd say two was his favorite but the latest was uh battle to neighborville neighbor battle uh for neighborville is available as well so i think any of those are great but i think it's a very fun family-friendly series that i'm surprised has not shown up on nintendo well especially if you want like a family-friendly first-person shooter i mean this is that's your choice like that's because a lot of uh, first-person shooters like are not really for kids they're for like adults or teenagers so yeah if you want one to play with your kids i mean you can't go wrong with garden warfare and both those games play really well and uh, like um, i played battle for neighborhood when it was in the alpha uh because mm-hmm. i was one of the alpha testers for that game and and i really liked it back then um i haven't actually played uh the retail version of the game but uh, i did like what i played from uh from the original so that's that's a good really good pick i think um for sure and and i love the original pot versus zombies as well that was one of the first games on my ipad that i really 
really fell in love with. So I'd love to see that the series is still still kicking around to this day. Well, my last pick, I got to go with an indie game on this one. And I people know, if they know me, I love brawlers. I love side-scrolling brawlers. It brings me back to my days of when I was a kid, popping quarters in the TMNT arcade machine or the X-Men arcade machine with my older brother. Um, and I know that they're a ton of fun to debate, especially if you've got if you're playing with a family. Like if you've got a young older or younger brother or sister, or if you've got your parents and you're playing and you want something to play together, the choice I'm gonna throw out there is River City Girls. This is from oh, yeah. way forward. Um, this continues the River City Ransom series from the NES, uh, but in a very cute, like, anime-esque style uh, 2D brawler. And I think it's a fantastic game with incredible music from Megan McDuffie, who does some really awesome synth music. Uh, but there's also some great vocal tracks in there. Um, there's some great animation as well. And uh, yeah, River City Girls was a game I fell in love with, and it was one of my favorite games of 2019. Um, it was a game I was definitely not expecting to love because... I was never really into the River City Ransom games, like the Kunio Kun series uh, growing up. Uh, but this one, for whatever reason, like way forward, knocked it out of the park with this game. Uh, I, I cannot recommend it enough if you like sprawlers. Um, also, you can throw Streets of Rage 4 in there as well, which I think is also a fantastic game. But if you want one that your, your parent and your kid can play together, River City Girls. Check it out. Great pick. I played it on the Switch. It was a lot of fun. Just love that art style. Uh, that's by WayForward, right? Yep. Man, that's that 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 company. It seems like there's nothing they can do. They, they so just good. they they do so many different things. Um, well, I'm going to compliment what you had with a similar style game that's a, that adds a element of platforming to it, and that is Guacamelee 2. Ooh, I love that series so much. Uh, I just love how inventive they are. The sense of humor, the aesthetics. And the combat that allows you to platform is just a, a breath of fresh air. I love it, but it does get very difficult at times. Yeah. <laughs> I I struggled with the last boss in the first game. In the second game, they definitely added on to that, which is great. And I believe that game is co-op as well. So um, it's something that once again you can play with it, and it's definitely family friendly. And it just it's just a joy to play. Uh, Drinkbox is an excellent studio. The best part about that 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 uh, game is that it represents my my hometown of Toronto, where I live. In fact, Drinkbox is literally like down the street from my apartment. So fantastic! There you go. Gotta have gotta have Guacamelee too. That's a really good one as well. I keep forgetting that that game's on Game Pass. I know, I know. They keep it's, adding, and and I think literally there's always typically two or three major releases. Like like there's waves every month, right? Yeah, we always talk about them. We always go through the Game Pass games on. Uh, uh, on the Xbox Drive, and I, I still sometimes get lost a little bit because, especially now that they've got the Android releases in there too, like mm-hmm. you look at the drop, it's like, oh, there's like 15 new games on Game Pass this month. But uh, a lot of those are, are games coming to Android for the first time. But uh, but yeah, I think we got a pretty solid list of games for Henry to check out here, Todd. I think we I think we did good. With I think list. so. I tr- like we said. I think we swayed away from too adult. And I think this helps. And he has stuff to look forward when he gets older. We'll have a second list of recommendations when he's a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, to be fair, there's no real wrong answer. I mean, there are some wrong answers, but there's so many great games on Game Pass, and it just astounds me that there are so many games available to to anyone who signs up and, and subscribes to Game Pass, um, regardless of if you're on console or PC. I, I know the PC offerings are a little bit. Uh, less than the concert offerings, but 
it's just such a great value for Game Pass, and I love just the the accessibility of giving the uh, the option of so many games to so many people. Um, I I love to see it, especially um, if someone's really into video games. Like that, Game Pass might be all that they need. They might not have to buy another game ever again. Like that, they could just play Game Pass all the time. In fact, I know people that do that. Absolutely, and uh, at this point, uh, the what is it? Xbox All Access allows you to essentially. With a monthly payment, you get a system plus Game Pass, and you're essentially good to go, and you can budget out your costs for however how many years, and eventually I think there's even an upgrade program that's involved with that, which is great. And I always tell people there are always deals on Game Pass if you can look. It stacks, I think, up to three years. It does, yeah. So I, I only know that because Donnie Reese over at the Xbox Empire has been sitting on like <laughs> codes and he keeps having to, to wait until his like three years are up before he can redeem more codes. Oh, no. It's got just codes just sitting there because you just buy so many of them. And I it's hope great. they don't expire. I don't I don't believe they expire. They don't. No, I, okay, they, the promotional ones expire. Like if you get one in sure. a, inside a box. But yeah. uh, but none of the uh, none of the ones you buy, they're like gift certificates. They don't expire. Excellent, excellent. Well, now, uh, instead of talking about games we recommend, we're going to talk about games we've been playing. And, Ryan, the first game, you and I have both been playing, but we've been playing on different platforms. Uh, so go ahead and tell us your thoughts on Cyberpunk. <sighs> okay, this is going to be uh, this is gonna be an interesting conversation. So, first of all, we've both been playing Cyberpunk on two very different platforms. I've been playing on PlayStation 4 Pro. Uh, the reason I've been playing on PlayStation 4 Pro is that um, I had forgotten that I had purchased, pre-purchased <laughs> the game uh, after E3 2019, uh, back when, back before I even joined the Xbox Drive. Because at the time, I was actually buying kind of my third-party games on like alternating platforms. Like I'd buy some for PlayStation and some for Xbox because I, I, I didn't like the idea of just spending all my time on one platform. Um, and I had, I remember going racking my brain over like why did i pre-order this game i remember i had some gift certificate money and it was after e3 of 2019 i was like hey maybe i just order cyberpunk with this money because this uh just to get it out of the way i mean how could how what could possibly go wrong with nothing Nothing. it'll be out in six months you'll get the game you play it yep and (laughs) uh and then it came out a year and a half later and uh it was a buggy mess. It uh, it barely runs on PS4 Pro. At least it runs a little bit better than the base PS4. But uh, you're looking at 30 frames per second or less in a lot of scenarios, especially in the combat. Um, like if you've got if you go into a room with a ton of enemies and you've got the motion blur, like all the effects turn on, like motion blur and uh, uh, some of the other cinematic effects, like you're running at sub 20 frames per second during combat. Uh, it's it's uh, not not a good version of the game. Uh, I will say, though, that the game itself, Cyberpunk, I think is a fantastic game as far as the story is concerned. I love the story in Cyberpunk. Like, it's really intriguing, like, uh, especially when you get to Act 2 in particular. Like, it just, it get, it really gets going in it's such an unexpected way that I wasn't really expecting to go to, it, it to go down. Um, I love the, 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 the city of Night City. I think it's super interesting, uh, as well as the visual look of the game is really nice but man there the bugs have been killing my any interest i have in that game uh whether it's when i'm trying to sneak up on an enemy i'm right behind them and then i go to grab them but then they disappear and then they when they reappear they're shooting me in the face and alerting all their friends to come shoot me oh wow or uh me falling through the geometry and 
having to reset the game only to find that my save has been deleted and I need to and I lose like an hour's worth of progress because I have to reload a past save. Um, and then when it does that, it forgets all my uh, options because it resets all the options back to default, which means I have to go in and invert, invert all the controls again and disable a whole bunch of stuff and set up my HDR again, which, as you can imagine, is a bit of a pain. Um, so it's it's probably one of my most disappointing games of the year. In fact, it probably is my most disappointing disappointing game of 20, 2020 because I know that there's a game of the year caliber game in Cyberpunk 2020 or 2077 and the the console version of the game is not it like it it, it really needs a lot of work and i know cyber uh, i know cd project red has said that they're going to be working on it there's going to be a major patch in january or february but my honest recommendation for anyone who hasn't jumped into it yet i mean who hasn't maybe checked out some of the, the news stories about this is just wait wait until the next gen version of this game is ready um and then most of the bugs and and issues should be ironed out by then. Um, and I think you're going to get a worthwhile experience. I don't think it's a good idea to spoil yourself on the, the game now, um, because I do think it's going to be really great. Unless you're playing on PC, like like Todd here, because I, know, I, I can imagine that you'll probably have a, a much different tale to tell when it comes to Cyberhog. What do you think about what about this game, Todd? Well, funny story, Ryan. So... <laughs> I just got a new gaming PC laptop, or uh, and, and a gaming PC laptop. I love it. It's got the RTX 2070 in it. I'm really enjoying 24, uh, oh, 240 megahertz screen. Great. But I like playing on a big screen. So I previously had a 29-inch ultra-widescreen monitor. And guess what happened? Right when I got the game, the monitor died. And that oh, was no. what I used for work and everything. Yeah, I'm like, this is... Because I don't want to play it on a 15-inch screen. It's just not my way to play. So... I was finally, I got a great recommendation. Uh, Lee Alexander Navarro, you guys know him from uh, Extra Life. Uh, he's an IT. He he owns a 49-inch ultra-wide Samsung. He recommended me the baby version of that. It's a 32-inch curved ultra-wide. So I finally got that today. So mm-hmm. I have kind of held off playing a lot of Cyberpunk because I want really that great experience uh, i want hdr because the monitor has it so i've i've really only got past and this is going to sound really lame but past the training sequence if you remember where that was yeah very early on so like literally like i've had one mission um and i will tell you what i loved what it did at the very beginning is it essentially does a weird fast forward that i wasn't expecting i've never seen a game do that before it's almost like the outtakes of a uh se- like a season of a tv show we didn't get to watch and i love it it's so uh, much yeah. fun it caught me by surprise too because i'm like wait what is the what's going on am i not playing right now what what yeah. am i watching because yeah <laughs> you don't really see that very often in games before and i thought that was really cool kind yeah of and I, I think one surprise is when the, the character creation menu be careful folks if you have yep. children in the room depending on which gender well any gender you select um, they surprise you right away with just basically saying, hey, look, I'm nude, mom. <laughs> yep, pretty much. And uh, yeah, it's something that I've been warning people that because I, for example, when when Sean was like, hey, maybe I should stream Cyberpunk. I'm like, get past the character creator first. Don't yeah. don't stream. If you're going to play this game at all, don't uh, make sure to get past the character creator first, because uh, you don't want your stream to see that because and I know lots of uh, lots of streamers who didn't know that ahead of time and got uh, their streams flagged uh, for that reason. Appropriate content. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, you basically get to choose every bit and piece of your character. Um, did you play as male, female? I, I played as female, but uh, okay. to be fair, I play as female in every game that it gives you the option to. Okay. I, I, that's just always been my thing. I don't know. I like playing as girls in games. And uh, and yeah, so I played as a, a female in Cyberpunk. Um, but it does give you a lot of options as well, because, I mean, you can play a, a transgendered person if you'd like as well. So um, you can basically tailor the character to be whatever character you like to be. And I love that they gave you that flexibility with the character creator. Um, yes, I don't know if you necessarily need to customize every one of those details, but uh, I'm glad that the option is there if you actually felt the need to do that. Absolutely. And I don't think any of those selection choices will come to <laughs> uh, basically help you through the game. Anyways, maybe they do. I don't well, know. Well, they come how, into play at some parts, but again, we're oh, not going to. Okay. No, this is a family friendly podcast. We're not going to do it. Absolutely. But yeah, just be careful because they do allow you to customize everything. Or likewise, um, so, if you're going to give this game to your children, you know, pro- probably don't give this game to your children. No, no, just no. Uh, and so just a little background for anybody who doesn't know, this is by CD Projekt Red, uh, most famous for the Witcher series of games. Uh, they've done some spinoff of the Witcher, uh, card games, different things like that, if you like Gwent. Um, but that was based on a series of novels that they took a lot of the storylines from there. So they had a lot of things to work from. This game series is based on a tabletop game, D&D type tabletop game from, I think, the late 80s, early 90s. I think it would make sense also when you think about the way that the the timeline yes. in Cyberpunk actually works, because um, it shows you some events later on and talks about them from like 2013. And it's like a way, way more futuristic than what we had in 2013. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's it's kind of different because that's obviously a tabletop game is is you make all the stories. The, I mean, the world is there for you, but really, essentially, there's no canon except for like the the way the world works but in regards to like storylines and things like that and and i've never played uh the 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 actual uh tabletop game but i'm not aware of like if these factions that you you basically choose a a, a I don't call it class, but basically where you come from and your 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 class tier in this. I'm not sure if that's part of it or not. So um, this is going to be an interesting thing because part of the reason why I loved The Witcher uh, is because some of those stories are so wonderful and but a lot of those are basis the all of the details in the novel that are inspiring it with this. Um, and like I said, I haven't been gotten very far. And I mean, how far are you, Ryan? I'm about 20 hours into it, but I've actually uninstalled it at this point because I am waiting for oh, okay. just because I don't want to. At this point, I'm, I've kind of lost motivation to finish the game until the sure. next version's out. So, yeah, and that's probably and I don't know where they're going. I don't know if they're going to patch current systems first and then do the next gen pack because that was the original plan was to oh we're going to get right to next gen packs patches and i'm not sure if that's would go over well Well, the next gen patch wasn't supposed to come until like next fall oh really that far out oh wow because it's supposed to be like it's not just a patch it's like a brand new version of the game that they've they've been building this entire time but the release was supposed to be for next year and uh that's just a free upgrade and and the multiplayer too because there's also multiplayer for this game too yeah a a standalone multiplayer mode that also is supposed to come out either late next year or early 2022 so that was kind of the timeline they were going on i don't know how much this actually shifts that timeline but i'm expecting that by fall of next year we will probably get the next inversion of this game um, and that's ultimately the version I recommend people wait for. But yeah, I mean, uh, some of the stuff you talk about does play into the story 
in particular in interesting ways. Um, for example, certain dialogue options open up depending on your origin story, uh, like whichever choice you picked. But also some side quests will open up to you or change depending on what your origin story was as well, um, which is really, really, really cool. The main story itself, though, is actually pretty much the same other than the beginning, at least from what I've seen, regardless of what your your choice was at the beginning. It's possible that the ending changes. I'm not that far yet, so I don't know. But uh, for the most part, that choice is uh, very limited to the main story, but has much more effects on the outside choices. What what did you pick for your character, by the way? I picked uh, City Kid. Okay. I picked, picked... Corpo. Okay. Because I'm, I'm suit and, very suit and tie, as you can tell. Very much by so, interviewing yes. me cl- Here, clearly, I'm so... Such a suit and tie person. Very no, corporate. I just corporate corporate. I don't know. It just sounded really interesting. I guess. Where, so I I decided to go uh, with the corporate route. I I in fact because uh, I I also do capture for uh, the Xbox Drive uh, whenever we talk about stuff. So I've actually played through the Street Kid uh, mode that you created talked about as well. I've never picked No Bad though. That's the only mm. one I haven't actually seen how that starts. I meant I heard someone mention they wanted to try that because they be they they figured if someone's a nomad, which means lives in the country, that you are kind of have the same set of eyes where they're not used to the city. It's new to them, too. And they thought that was kind of an appropriate path to take, which I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that Um, does actually make sense. Yeah. So it's kind of cool how it works. Um, Now, I've heard like the main quest, if you just mainline it, don't do anything. It's probably like 20, 25 hours, somewhere in there. But the type of game that this typically is just like the witcher it's hey i'm getting distracted because something cool is going on over there and it ends up being something far different than i first expected um kind of like when i go back to witcher 3 with which the quest where uh you take drugs and roach starts talking to you which i love that quest so good um and i've heard the same thing this is very similar that the the side quests are very much uh, very engaging and they add on to your experience and they're not just like fetch fetch quests. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I haven't touched the 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 side quests in this game, so I'm I am hoping that they are they are as as in depth as the ones in The Witcher were because some of the the side quests were almost better than some of the stuff in the main quest. Um, but uh, I just never got a chance to do that because uh, I was trying to finish the game as quickly as possible because of the state the game is in. Um, but I can tell you there's a, a bajillion side quests in this game to the point where your character has a phone in game. And whenever you receive a phone call, that's how you get a new side quest when you that's enter new cool. areas. And your phone never stops ringing in this game. <laughs> and you just accept so many side quests. Like literally within my first five hours, I had 40 side quests wow. in my, in my side quest thing. I'm like, when am I ever going to get to any of these? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I love that there, there is that much content if it's there, but also I, I think there's something appealing about keeping the main story short in that mm-hmm. way as well, because, um, I think one of the problems with Witcher is that it took forever to see the end of that game. And I mm-hmm. know a lot of people never finished it, myself included. Um, like I fell off at like the 50 hour mark in Witcher cause I never saw the, never saw the end of that game. Um, so I know that a lot of people out there are kind of like that. So I do like that. If you just want to mainline the game, there's nothing wrong with that. Like it gives you, it totally gives you the option of doing that, and it's it it respects your time and it's not super long. Like it's it's less than 30 hours, which um, I think it is definitely a good thing for an open world game like this. Because another game I finished recently, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. If oh, you just wow. want to mainline that game, it's 65 hours. That's and you, insane. And if you don't have 65 hours to play it, you're not finishing that game. So wow, yeah. I mean, I loved it, but uh, man, it took forever. I'm actually about 
I'm a, my, my final playtime because I've kind of stopped because I've I've almost 100 percented it now. Uh, I'm o- almost at 100 hours in Valhalla. So. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Uh, that makes that scares me because I'm trying to balance multiple games right now. And AC Valhalla is one I've 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 started playing, but I I those games I always start them and something pulls me away and I never get back to them. So I'm trying not to do that. And the great way that that allows me to do that is now my son will want to play on the PC. So that kicks me off to play on the PlayStation 5 so I can play that. So it's kind of nice to have something to pull me away at times, which is good. But um, I would say, at least on the PC version, I've not experienced any bugs. The only problem with the PC version, this game is so hungry for hardware. Uh, The RTX 2070, if you look at the specs, the 2070 gets you basically the lowest setting with ray tracing. Excellent. Yes. But I've heard the lowest setting actually looks pretty, pretty oh, good. Oh, it looks great. The, the it setting. looks beautiful. And uh, I need to find a way to trace my uh, frames per second um, in PC. Uh, I thought I could do that through basically the Windows app. There's a, like a Windows gaming app, but it does not do that. It shows frames per second, but it doesn't actually tell me what I'm getting. So I need to figure out. I think there's an NVIDIA tool or maybe a, a GOG tool that can do that because I want to see what I'm actually getting with the settings I have. So got HDR turned on, 1440p, uh, and uh, yeah, ray tracing is supported. I'm curious, and I, and I think Digital Foundry did put out some settings that show you, similar to console, too. They actually yeah. released some, some settings that actually maximize the performance for you, which I think is great. Yeah, and I definitely did that, and it does make it, it improve the frame rate, because, again, if you have all the uh, visual effects, like, turned on, you're getting, sometimes you're getting sub-20 frames per second Ooh. in combat, which is painful to play. Yeah, I saw it. It looked, painful it looked to play. so, yeah, lockups, and, and, yeah, just it's just bad things. Or even um, just yeah, trying so, to drive down the street at, 15 frames a second it's like how do you how do you even drive the car that way it's, it's like going back and playing like stunt race fx on the super nintendo or something like that like because that game also ran at like 10 frames a second so i i think it's safe to say i've heard good things about the series x ps5 because they're basically playing the backwards compatible versions but with obviously faster load times and they have a far superior hardware, the Xbox Series X is playing the Xbox One X version, which is obviously the more advanced version. Uh, the PS5 is playing the PS4 Pro version. So that's the considered the the, the the top of the console versions. But if you have a launch PS4, PS4 Slim, Xbox One, Xbox One S, I would say, to Ryan's point, wait until you probably have a better system or wait for those patches. Yeah, I mean, I, at the very least... I would say don't play it any earlier than February if you haven't already. Yeah. When, when that yeah. that's when like the final like large patch to to fix things is supposed to come out because again it's it's not just frame rates too. Again, it's a whole bunch of bugs that oh, yes. or, or corrupted saves. Like I, I I talked to a couple of other content creators who lost about fifteen hours of game oh, time no. in this game because that's, of corrupted that's, saves. So that's the worst. Yeah. So trust me, like don't. Uh, I wouldn't jump into this game unless you're playing it on PC or Google Stadia, which I hear is also not that bad either. No, I heard it's actually, actually some people have said it's one of the best ways to play because yeah, like, the hardware is high and you just need a good internet connection. Yeah, between that and the PC version, I think those are the the only two that I can wholeheartedly say are worth jumping into. And uh, yeah, I'm so disappointed by the whole situation with Cyberpunk, yeah. with with uh, the way that CD Projekt Red has handled it and uh, the whole rollout with the game. But I'm not going to dive too much into that. Uh, we did talk about it for about 30 minutes on the Xbox Drive today. So uh, Sean and I actually talked about it in great depth if you want to hear our discussion about that there, too. Definitely. And that episode, uh, if you're listening to this, will have dropped 
yesterday. So please check that out. Um, and Ryan will tell you how to get that at the end of the show. Uh, but uh, you've been playing Dragon Panzer Dragoon Remake. I'm completely blanking on, is this a game that was released on another system, or it is this... Was. Okay. It was a Sega Saturn game. Okay. Because yep. it's a old school Sega franchise. Uh, Panzer Dragoon, though, is is kind of like Star Fox. It's a on rails mm-hmm. 3D shooter, but where you basically play a, a character who's riding on the back of a dragon, and you've got a gun in your hand, essentially mm-hmm. like a laser pistol, and you're you're flying around shooting other dragons and airships and a bunch of other like cool like um like steampunk fantasy stuff. And uh, it's a really great game come from top, top of the bottom. Now, full disclosure, we did receive a code for this from the publisher for the purposes of review. Um, but and this game is actually available on other consoles as well. Um, it's been out on Switch for almost a year now, and okay. it's it's been on PS4 for a while, but it just came to Xbox this week. Um, so if you have an Xbox, you can definitely check it out now. And uh, I really like Panzer Dragoon Remake. I, I've played a lot of the games from the Panzer Dragoon series, because uh, it's a long-running series, they had uh, three games on the Saturn. They had Panzer Dragoon 1 and 2, which are very similar, and then Panzer Dragoon Saga, which is essentially a RPG, mm-hmm. almost like Final Fantasy VII, like it's a turn-based RPG. And then they had Panzer Dragoon Orda on the original Xbox, which, by the way, if you are new to the series at all, and you <laughs> like, and again, if you like games like Star Fox, Panzer Dragoon Orda is the one to check out, because, oh, really? number one, it's very cheap. Number two, it's backwards compatible on a xbox one and series x number three it got series x and uh one x enhancements so it runs in 4k and it looks like a brand new game oh that's uh, perfect yeah it's fantastic and and again the way i always describe the series it's essentially star fox but better so and more mature so uh yeah definitely the story doesn't make any sense but that's my only complaint with it it runs at a smooth 60 frames per second all the enemies are, are really interesting it's got some fantastic music and uh yeah, I think that uh, Panzer Dragoon Remake uh, does a good job of, of remaking the original. Mind you, I haven't played the original game. I do only own the second game on Saturn, because if anyone knows anything about collecting games on the Saturn, it's very expensive. So I, I have a very limited Sega Saturn collection. It really is only three games. It's that and Marvel Super Heroes and, a couple, and uh, one other game. So for the most part... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a I think it's a good pickup, especially if you have ne- never checked out the series, regardless of what platform you're on, because it's also on Switch and PS4 as well. Oh, very cool. Very, very cool. I'm glad to see games get a second life. And obviously you do that on the uh, basically the extra mile. That's the 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 bonus uh, show you do where you relook at games and um, both you and I share a passion for like licensed games for some reason um i love all of the evil dead games and the buffy games yes yeah i mean i love those games as well yeah i mean we'll probably be talking about because we're currently doing a series called the crossroads which Mm -hmm. is talking taking a look at my favorite 50 games of the original xbox and some of those games may come up you never know i mean we we just talked about james bond on the show this week with uh, i love that with from russia with love That, that game's so great and then the lord of the rings the two towers and return of the king the week before so yeah, lots of lots of good li- old licensed games, but yeah, I mean, I'm someone that splits my time between 50% modern games and 50% retro games. Like I play a ton of retro games, and uh, and yeah, like I love seeing old classics in a new light. And uh, it was cool to see Panzer Dragoon come back because, again, it's a game that's very inaccessible for, to people, especially again, it's a Saturn game, so it's just it's hard for people for people to play games on Saturn nowadays. So. Oh, absolutely. And it's a system, basically, I don't think it's ever been really truly emulated very well. Um, and, 
and quite honestly, I don't know if we're ever going to get Sega to make a, uh, a a micro console or something like that. They wouldn't. They'd be able to put like ten games on it. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. Well, uh, myself, I finally finished Miles Morales. Uh, my son played it first, loved it. I tried to avoid spoilers when he played. Um, I went back and forth in this game, playing at performance and on visual quality mode, whatever you want to call it on the PS5. And I absolutely love this game. I love this more than Spider-Man on PS4. What they've done with Miles, the storyline, it was a more compressed game. Uh, I think it took me about 12 hours to play. But it was no fluff. It was all pure gaming. Uh, I mean, there were some side missions you could do, and I did a couple of those just to get some extra doohickeys, uh, uh, upgrade myself. That was kind of fun. Uh, And you had some training modes you could do. But if you stuck with the main story, uh, you were in for a wild ride. I really enjoyed it. Some of the characters they introduced were fantastic. Um, I couldn't be happier with the game. Um, I know some people say it's short for $50, but um, I truly don't gauge a game by its length. I (laughs) gauge a game by how much I enjoyed it. And I would say this one was high up there because I played lots of games that don't value your time. They're full of filler and I feel empty with those games at times. So I, I'm well, uh, very happy with this game. Did, and, did uh, you try you it? You can definitely tell that, that that's like our old school, like mindset coming into play as well, because we played lots of games growing up that were half an hour long or an hour long. Like you can beat the original Castlevania in half an hour, but the gameplay is so good that absolutely it's, it's absolutely worth playing it. And, and uh, it doesn't, the short length doesn't devalue it. And I also look at the other side of the spectrum with a game like alien isolation, one of my favorite games of the decade, but when, what keeps it from being like in my top three favorite games of the, the, the 2010s is the paddedness of the game where essentially that game is like, five to 10 hours longer than it ever needed to be. And there's a whole bunch of extra sections of the game that just didn't need to be there, but it's, it's one of the best horror games I've ever played. So I think that, um, that the gameplay outweighs that, but, but again, it can, like you said, it goes in the opposite direction. Miles Morales. I I didn't ever finish the original Spider-Man at all. Um, mainly because superheroes aren't really my -hmm. thing for whatever reason. Um, so I was interested in playing it when the P- when I get a PS5 because I'm I'm still one of those people that is looking for a PS5 that uh, does not have one yet and can't find one anywhere because I actually had one ordered that was actually canceled. Oh no! Like it was canceled a week uh, before the console came out, so I was never actually able to get a hold of one. Um, but I'm kind of waiting for my PS5 before I give Spider-Man another chance because I want to play the remastered version first and then play Miles Morales. Um, but yeah, I, it's good to hear that that game's awesome. And yeah, like for me, I actually kind of like the idea of it being a shorter game for sure. The, a game that's on the op- opposite spectrum. I won't go too long on this, but AC Valhalla. Um, Ryan, just to let you know, I am still in Scandinavian countries at this point. I have not moved. <laughs> no, I know. So I don't even know how far I'm in if I've just been dilly-dallying because I'm going to all these places and getting used to the to the map system. I'm like, what's that gold thing? Let me check it out. Um, so I, I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Now I understand truly why a Viking is in a stealth game to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but I don't have the background with some of the characters that were involved, but I really like it. I like the game. Although I will say this, it's funny you talk about playing as a female character. The voice of the female character in this game, it's almost like she's Christian bailing it, like with the <laughs> Batman voice at times. Yeah, I do think that more often than not with the Assassin's Creed games, usually they get female, better female 
voice actors than the male voice actors. But Valhalla is one of the times where I will say I think the the male Eivor actually provides the better voice of the two. Um, and I think I think my clothing. I was thinking another point to this. I think my clothing are is doused with gasoline because I keep erupting into flames. I like get too close to a candle. I'm like, why am I on fire all of a sudden? Well, Sorry. it's just an Assassin's Creed game for you. They, they're all like that. Yeah. Like Odyssey was like that too, or Origins. In fact, most of the modern Assassin's Creed games are like that. You gotta watch out for fire. Don't stand in the fire. That's if I learned fire one bad. lesson from World of Warcraft, it's don't stand in the fire. That's right. Fire is bad. Sometimes you can put it out very quickly, and sometimes you can't. Oh, well. Yeah. That is it with what we've been playing, but now we move on to the news flash, and it's basically uh, our stories of the last two weeks. We've got a lot more news coming out in the bonus round because we're going to talk about the Game Awards, but uh, we want to couple on just a couple of things that come up, have come out since then. So very quickly, I just wanted to touch on um, Nintendo had a, uh Indie World Direct. I'm not sure if you watched any of that, Ryan. Anything stand out to you? So the the game that and and this was probably not on a lot of people's radar, but the game that stood out to me the most was a game I was already really excited for, which is Cyber Shadow. This is the new oh, game yeah. from Yacht Club Games. Uh, they're actually publishing it, uh, but it's a smaller studio that actually is producing it. That it's their first game essentially. Um, it's a side-scrolling ninja-like combat game that looks very similar to something like Ninja Gaiden, and I am here for that. Let me tell you what, because if there's one thing that is a Ryan Turford game. It is a side-scrolling 2D action-adventure game with ninjas in it. So I'm actually super excited that that's coming out very soon because they announced it like a year and a half to two years ago. It's been a long time since Mm -hmm. they announced Cyber Shadow. Um, And we finally have a release date, I think, of January 25th um, on all platforms, uh, Switch, PS4, and Xbox. So I'm actually really excited to play it on Xbox. I wish that that's the type of game I wish was in Game Pass because it would just get into the hands of so many more people. Oh, yeah. Um, but at the same time, even though it's not on Game Pass, I, I, I'm i still chomping at the bit to play that game, and I'm definitely going to be picking it up day one. Other than that, though, the indie showcase, there wasn't too much else that, that wowed me, only because I think a lot of the games they showed off this time around were not really in genres that I'm super into. So um, other than like a game like Among Us, which I know a lot of people were, were excited about coming to Switch, um, and I do think that that's a good call. Like, I would actually love to see that on other consoles as well, like mm-hmm. on Xbox or PlayStation. Um, but I think that's a good get for, for Nintendo Switch. But uh, yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't know. What about you, Todd? What did you think about it? <laughs> well, my son showed me one game, which I, when I first saw him, like, this is ridiculous, but it makes so much sense. Fisty Fluffs. Fista Fluffs? Fista Fluffs? The, yeah, it's the cat fighting game. Oh, that's right. That is so weird. It, it's basically cats for, I think it's four cats total you can have that battle it out. They're basically wrecking the house. They can wear VR goggles, essentially have power-ups. It doesn't make much sense. But they had so many cat puns in it, it was kind of adorable. Kind of like cat lateral damage. The VR game. Exactly, if that expanded. Yeah, (laughs) you know, cats love things. My cat has found a way to break my Mario ornament, so I totally embrace the fact that, yes, this is what cats do. Now, if they tossed a dog into it, it would be my life. Because I have two cats and a dog, and all they do is wrestle and go crazy. Um, but other than that, it seemed like a lot of the games they had were, have been on other platforms. Yeah. Um, and other than that, really, uh, Among Us, I think, was the big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's only a little bit of time before it comes to every platform, because that game just blew up. Uh, the Game Awards, we'll talk about that game won, I think, two awards. Yeah. And it, they were just the cutest 
folks, how excited they were uh, just accepting their word. It was just wonderful. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say that, uh, yes, there, there was also a lot of games that we knew about, but one game I forgot to mention was also Super Meat Boy Forever. I'm yes. so glad that that game is finally coming out because I've been hearing about that game forever because I actually watch uh, GDQ, which is a speedrunning uh, uh, charity um, like uh, marathon that happens twice a year. And uh, for the last three years straight at every GDQ, it was always sponsored by Super Meat Boy Forever. <laughs> and oh, they would wow. always have nonstop commercial stuff thing. And they would always give like the release date for whatever the that year was. It would be out later that year and it kept getting delayed. So I'm finally glad that that Team Meat is finally getting that game out. And I think that game is going to be a lot of fun, too. I, I'd actually forgotten about that until you just started talking there, Todd. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, an addition. Also, Spelunky 1 and 2, Matt Keel, uh, who is a friend of mine, does a podcast as well. He is nuts so for Spelunky and the fact that now 2 is coming out as well. That's a series that they're just people that are dedicated to that series. Uh, I don't get it, but um, I'm glad that they have it. Um, so, yeah, that came out, uh, and it was kind of something, I think, after the Game Awards, I think Nintendo needs something else to carry some news forward, because uh, they were a little bit lacking in the Game Awards. But um, a big story that uh, you want to talk about is some flim-flam going on between publishers yeah. buying a game, buying a, uh, basically buying a small little publisher, and it's kind of crazy, because I thought it was going to go one way, and it went the other way. Yeah, like, this story just came out of nowhere, basically EA looking to buy Codemasters. Now, this may sound strange because Codemasters was originally in uh, agreement to be bought by uh, Take-Two early next year for the the tune of $800 million. But EA just swooped in out of nowhere over the the top turnbuckle and bought them for $1.2 billion. And it's it's supposed to close sometime in early 2021, which... Is kind of it uh, is going to put a lot of powerful racing franchises in the hands of EA. You're going to have mm-hmm. a bunch of cars, dirt, um, and as well as a whole bunch of other series in the hands of EA, which also has Need for Speed and Burnout. Um, and that's going to be really interesting to, to play out. Like I thought that the, it was just wild that this this came out of nowhere, and it, it looks doesn't look like EA's or sorry, Take Two is going to come in and try and scoop them back up. I think they they are kind of letting this go at this point. But uh, I, I'm really Excited about this news, but also a little nervous because I'm excited to see Codemasters become part of a larger uh, publisher that can maybe hopefully give them a, a little bit of that extra funding I think they need to kind of take some of their great series like and, and bring them over the, the next level, I think. Because a game like Dirt 5, for example, came out really recently, mm-hmm. but I don't think too many of us were really wowed by Dirt 5. Like, it was fun. Like, we, the concept of Dirt is fun, like, uh, like uh, Dirt Racing games, but it's... It just it didn't really wow in the visuals department, and it was a, like a console launch title for Series X. Um, so I think with, under uh, the a bigger umbrella like EA, I think they could they could leverage some of their their tech and some of their resources and bring out a better product. But I'm also a little bit nervous because I'm we've of course seen in the past how EA handles some of their acquisitions in terms of buying a studio and then having them produce one or two games and then closing them. So I'm really hoping that that's not what happens with Codemasters. I hope that they really give them a chance to shine um, because Codemasters has been doing putting in excellent work for a number of years now. And honestly, I, I really hope that they get the chance that they deserve. 
to really shine with EA. So um, that's what I wanted to say about that. Also, it's just it's hilarious to think about, too, because Codemasters is the company that invented Game Genie. And, and EA oh, essentially wow. owns Game Genie now because they own Codemasters. So maybe that was back. the secret tech all along. They just Absolutely. wanted to, they, they wanted to bring back Game Genie and on uh, and and do something with it. I guess you need your cheat cords for your modern games. Absolutely, you know, you know, I want to know how I can put uh, super deformed wheels on my car. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, get big head mode in uh, NBA 2K21. You got to enable it through. That would through be Game perfect. Genie. Make flaming yeah. basketballs. We've been we've been. It's interesting though with all of these franchises and EA is not exactly done right by a lot of their existing racing franchises people want a new burnout paradise they want or a new burnout at least criterion's kind of just floundering and been given like oh make a need for speed game so i'm just curious like now they've got all of these other licenses i just don't know if they have the focus ea seems so unfocused at times that's why i'm hoping that I'm hoping they've at least learned a little bit uh, from from some of their past experiences. And I mean, we've, we've seen that with some of their other acquisitions, like Respawn, for example. They kind of just let Respawn do their own thing. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and it's been great so far. So um, if they take kind of the Respawn approach to Codemasters, then I think it could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship between the two companies. But I mean, we'll see about that one. Only time will tell. We'll know probably in a few years what uh, what the true outcome of this acquisition is but uh yeah i thought that was really interesting in a kind of a, a slower news week i think other than the game absolutely yeah, yeah you don't get a lot of big publisher acquisitions like that lately uh we literally got know, two this year though with that oh that's with true and microsoft true. with Bethesda, but that is it though that is true that is true i i guess i i, I forgot about those big announcements the year's been kind of crazy uh another announcement that kind of uh, i'm gonna put two stories together um i think ios I think people have finally figured out how to get game streaming on iOS. And that's essentially, I think it's the, they call it game kit apps or something like that, where they basically use the web browser within iOS to basically create an app. Uh, And we've got that with Stadia coming out because Stadia has tried to do workarounds with, I think Stadium was the app that they had on iOS that was kind of removed. And then the same thing with uh, Game Pass Streaming. Is that the official name? Game Pass Streaming? Game Pass Streaming, yeah. It's no longer xCloud. Which is the coolest name in the world. It was cooler. So with this, Ryan, and I don't know if you've dealt with other like web-based apps. um, Do you think this is the best solution out of a a, really a a no-win situation? I mean, it's probably the best solution they could come up with for the platform they have to work with. I mean, here's the thing, though. I don't actually own any iOS devices. I'm all Android. Like I have an Android Mm -hmm. tablet and an Android phone. um, So I don't actually have iOS devices, so I can't really speak too much to this because a lot of times on Android, they're all baked within the app itself. That we don't really see too many web browser apps on Android because it just it doesn't seem like a, the platform really needs it, unfortunately. So um, I can't speak too much to performance, and and I wonder if it, you're going to see a little bit of a hit uh, with Game Pass on iOS, but ultimately it was this or nothing. So the, I think that uh, they're probably doing the best that they can. It does, however, mean that you're not going to have the clean version of the uh, Game Pass app that we have on Android, where it's going to be one app that has all your Game Pass functions probably in it. You're probably going to have a streaming app and the Game Pass app separate from each other. But I think that's just how they're going to have to do it on iOS. But whereas on Android, I actually really like the app for Mm -hmm. for game streaming because I love the ability to just preload my games on my Xbox if I want to install them or do all my rewards through there or just 
play a game and hooked up a controller to my phone and play it right there all in one app. Um, and I think that's one of the the downsides of it going to iOS. But also part of this announcement, too, is that we're also getting Game Pass on PC, which I think mm-hmm. is probably more exciting than it coming to iOS more than. Yeah. It. Yeah. But that's only because yeah, I, I don't have an iOS device. So I don't know. And I'm assuming that's going to just go through the Xbox app that's on PC, right? Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like it's going to be. Yeah. That's Which perfect. is also going to be browser based, though, apparently. Like, apparently, oh, the, really? that hmm. I mean, they were saying that in the announcement somewhere that it was going to they're building in a browser based solution into the Xbox app that's going to play the games. I don't know how that's all going to work, but hmm. I think it, that that's the reason why the release dates for both of these are this going to be the same. They said sure. they're going to come out on the same day. So okay. I, I think they're leveraging some of the tech from the PC version of Game Pass streaming to apply it to the the iOS version of game streaming. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I was complaining to Mark because I was all on Android. My wife was in iOS. My son's on Android. And we made the decision because I've owned Samsung phones, and I'm not a huge fan of Samsung. I really wanted to go to strip down Android, but there was a deal on iPhone SEs. And I'm like, I switched at the wrong time. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have nothing there. But um, I was able to use an old OnePlus 3 phone and use it there and it works flawlessly my unfortunately my old lenovo android tablet it could not run it's just for some reason something was just not kosher so but yeah i, I i've enjoyed playing it on the one plus three but I'm, I'm i'm more excited to have on a device I actually use all the time yeah i mean that'd certainly be nice for a lot of other people i know i know sean we, we talk about this all the time because he actually his his whole household is all ios except yeah. for I, I think uh i think his wife may have one android phone like an older android phone lying around somewhere but uh yeah i mean it it, uh it uh i'm glad that finally more people are getting a chance to access the service because i think that when when everything kind of goes back to normal outside uh i think it's going to be a service that a lot of people are going to really enjoy having on their commute or or going out somewhere like i'm just personally not using it all that much right now or it's not exciting to me because i'm not going anywhere no um, but I mean, if I was going to work every day, like riding the subway or, um, walking around and stuff like you, you better, you bet your bottom dollar, I'd be using that versus using my switch on my, computer. oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you, it's another device you don't have to worry about. It's, it's one less thing you have to charge one less thing you have to pull out of your bag and you know, yeah, I totally get it. Makes total sense. Um, so yeah, this is exciting news for everybody. It brings more value to the game pass that you already subscribe to. Obviously you need ultimate for streaming, but yep. that is quite the value. And right now I think you can get ultimate, uh, $1 for three months. So yep. not bad, not a bad buy. Get on that. Uh, if you have, don't have game pass. Yes. And if you need the secret code on how to get more, like I gave my friend, there's definitely a lot of ways to do that on the cheap with the old Xbox Live Gold. So uh, with that, we go to uh, some news that was not too pleasant to my ears. So, Ryan, I was been uh, very excited for EA Play and Destiny 2 to come to Xbox Game Pass. And I was opening the app uh, yesterday morning thinking, hey, is it there? Is it there? It's not there. And we got the drop saying EA Play on Xbox Game Pass is going to be delayed into 2021. No specific timing, not like a quarter or anything. And it's not 100% clear. They talked about essentially making it uh, the best format. And I don't know if it's the app is just not up to par on PC. Obviously, PC doesn't have one standard of platform. There's many Mm -hmm. different versions of the hardware. Uh, and I don't know if all of, I mean, we do have EA play on PC as it exists today, but I don't know if it's a simple switch you can just plug on. So, um, 
so that's been a frustration for me because I am no longer an Xbox owner because I'm like, oh, I don't have to. I have a gaming PC and I have Game Pass. I'm all set. And this is just kind of showing that there is a gap what's with the, on the console and what's on PC. There are exclusives to PC. There are exclusives to uh, console. Um, and uh, Destiny 2 is the other one that I am frustrated with because it's still unclear. They have not said it all, and I think it may do to the fact that there's, I think, a deal still with Stadia, I think, with Destiny 2 that yeah. might be getting in the way of it, which some of these deals do get in the way of things. Um but yeah, it's very frustrating because I really wanted to get back into Destiny. Uh, I was going to transfer my PlayStation progress, obviously, because that's nice. It's got cross-save, essentially. And I was so excited because I really wanted to get back into Destiny, and it's not there yet. So, um, uh, and, and it's funny because I, I think I even – I don't know if I've asked you – you know, your podcast, I typically send you guys questions. But I'm curious if there really needs to be some more focus for Microsoft on PC. I mean, I don't know of anybody that does like – game pass pc podcasts or anything like that it seems like it's a it's a secondary market even pc podcasts aren't that popular these days so i'm just curious what do you think what what do you think is driving a lot of these things right so first of all with the ea thing that was just very bizarre like it, it was supposed to be out like yesterday morning and then we got the announcement yesterday morning that it wasn't coming until next year for whatever reason i think with that situation that reads more to me like there was a last-minute licensing issue with one of the games in EA Play. So I'm suspecting that that's probably the problem with it, and less so much of a trying to get it to work with the Xbox app. I'm, I'm guessing it was probably ready to go, but there was probably some licensing with one of the random games that happens to be in EA Play that might not be totally owned by EA, or maybe there was a license track in it, like a music track or something like that, that that's causing that to happen. Um, so I'm guessing that that's the reason for the delay. Destiny 2 is an odd one, um, but you're right. I think that probably has more to do with the licensing deal with Stadia. Um, but I think I think the, the, the PC Game Pass focus, I think there is a focus from Microsoft there, um, just not so much in the marketing department. I think that it's very... when When... Uh, Xbox markets Game Pass. They're mostly just marketing Game Pass as the platform, and less so much focusing on Game Pass on PC. And, and all the uh, the advertisements, for example, that I see for Game Pass are, hey, by the way, if you subscribe to Game Pass Ultimate, you'll get Game Pass on all these places, and it shows a picture of a computer and an Xbox in the picture. But it's not really expressively talking about mm -hmm. Game Pass on PC and some of the benefits on that. They just are assuming that you're going to subscribe to Ultimate, and then you'll have Game Pass everywhere. I think that's that's more their focus than one particular console, because um, for a while it was just even even when the Game Pass for PC first launched, um, the, the focus always was on uh, marketing the console version of Game Pass. But now I feel like the, the shift is the uh, marketing focus is really just shifted to just marketing Game Pass Ultimate just in a general sense rather than marketing a particular platform, one or the other. Um, but as far as PC support, though, I've got to say, just looking over the PC uh, Game Pass store today, I think it actually is getting really good support. Um, yes, there are certain moments like this that, unfortunately, kind of bum us out a little bit as far as support here. But you got lots of games that are on Game Pass for PC that we don't have on consoles, mm -hmm. um, that are exclusive to the service. Um, stuff like the, the strategy games like Age, Age of Empires or something like Flight Simulator. Again, it is coming to series x next summer but that that will be a bit on pc game pass for an entire year before it even hits consoles or even like smaller games like disgaea 4 for example mm -hmm. which is a fantastic um like a strategy rpg that 
is a game that would run on console, but it's not on it's not on Xbox consoles. It's only on PC Game Pass or even a game like Undertale, which isn't currently on Game Pass because it left, I think, a few months ago. But it was one of the first games that we had on PC Game Pass, and it's a fantastic RPG. Um, so I think that it, it kind of goes both ways. And uh, yes, I don't think that you see too much of a, a focus from Microsoft to promote the PC version of Game Pass, but I do think that they are doing a solid job with the service. Although, again, this is coming from someone that doesn't play a lot of games currently on PC. So maybe it's just maybe I'm a little bit ignorant to to what's going on really with with Game Pass for PC. But I am seeing a lot of great crossover with it, even something like Gears Tactics mm-hmm. that came out last year that was exclusive to PC for a while. So I do think they are doing a pretty good job with PC. But you're right. There's stuff like this, like because uh, EA Play has been on, out on console for a month and a half now. Um, and it would have been nice to get it kind of day and date. And it's it sucks that we got to wait a little bit longer before it comes to PC. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, P- PC hardware is now coming with Game Pass included, uh, which is cool. Uh, a lot of GPUs, things like that. Um, and, I, and I'm curious to see what they do, because I think one of the areas that they are, will see growth is from PC. It's kind of an untapped market. I mean, the amount of people that are PC gamers, it seems like that is just there's a lot of passion right now for it, which is great, because uh, we know on console... I mean, Xbox had 50 million, I think, Xbox One's out in the marketplace. So um, if they really want to grow Game Pass, um, it's going to take a while to continue to grow that marketplace, especially with, you know, Series X is hard to find, Series S is hard to find. So PC is a great market to tap. So I I would like to see some more excitement, maybe like, you know, Larry Herb and and (laughs) Major Nelson start talking about some more PC-centric things. That'd be great. And uh, maybe I have to start a Game Pass PC podcast. Who knows? Someone's got to do it, right? Someone's got to be the Donnie Reese of Game Pass for PC. I think so. I think so. So I will definitely take that on because I'm all in. Uh, so with that, we move to the bonus round, Ryan. Game Awards happened. You guys live streamed it. Very exciting. That was a long show. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> we were both just like, come on, what is it going to end already? It's like, It was, you know, three and a half hours, which is, you know, usual Game Awards length, I guess. But if you include the pre-show, it was actually like four hours long. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, but it, I mean, we had a fun live stream. Like it was fun watching the game awards, even if again it, it it really lost its luster kind of after the first like hour of the show. Like especially because some most of the big announcements this year surprisingly were within the first half an hour mm-hmm. of the show. Absolutely. Show. Um, we did get some exciting announcements uh, throughout the show, but it was definitely the first two in particular were like the two biggest ones. Which is kind of crazy. Um, also, before we get into the game awards, we should I should throw this out there for full disclosure for your for your listeners. Of course, um, my day job is at a place that actually voted for the game awards, and I actually got to be part of the voting process along with kind of our our panel of people. We had three different people uh, vote on it for um, our organization, uh, and we actually got to submit both our nominees and the winners. For the oh, game very awards. cool! That is yeah. so awesome. That is neat. And that was our like first part year of the academy. It's like being exactly. part of the academy. So it was it was what our first year actually getting to do that. So uh, it was actually like a, an honor be, being actually able to help out with that process. Because, I mean, obviously, I've been watching the, the, the game awards for years and kind of picking my own game of the year winners. But I've never actually gotten to be like a part of a professional process like this. So uh, it was actually cool to go through the, the whole thing because we would have debates over specific categories and specific games and what games we wanted to include for nominees and, and some of the winners. So obviously, if there's any of the awards that you disagree with, you can say it's Ryan's fault if Absolutely. you want to. I mean, uh, although obviously there were some games, for example, that didn't get nominated that we 
we definitely fought for, for example, like Ori being one of them uh, that didn't get nominated for too many awards, but we definitely uh, we definitely fought for it for a lot of categories. Um, unfortunately, it didn't make it. Um, but but yeah, so it was cool to be part of that process. But obviously, I want to throw that out there for transparency's sake before we get into talking about the show and stuff like that. So everyone knew the facts. Big game awards, Ryan. There you are. Bought and sold by Jeff Keighley. (laughs) I'll take my my Jeff Keighley check right now, even though we didn't actually get any Jeff Keighley checks, and uh, and then go about my business from there. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise of this year, no Kojima. No Kojima announcements. That was kind of my my project my my prediction that I thought he was going to be involved with maybe a uh, a project, Uh, but no, not at all. I mean, to be fair, he was teasing announcements last night of the five years of Kojima Productions uh, with a whole bunch of announcements. And the announcements were literally, hey, we've got no T-shirts in our store. But he was <laughs> making it sound like there was this is going to be some huge thing. And it was just he was playing Kojima. Also, funny thing about Kojima is that he appeared not in the Game Awards this year, but in Cyberpunk 2077. That is so crazy. That is so Cause, crazy. Because he's in that Total game. Total sense. Total sense. Total sense. It's very silly. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I really don't want to... We, we talked about the Game Awards, kind of like the, 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 the categories and things like that. But in regards to the Game Awards, were there any surprise winners? Or, or, or anything that you just really leaped out you in regards to the winners? I mean, out of the winners, I would say that the most surprising thing was how many awards The Last of Us Part Two got. Because, yes. Um, I think that... I, I already knew going into it, The Last of Us Two was going to win a lot of awards. But... I didn't think it was going to win as many as it was going to win. Um, I mean, I know that when we were voting, we didn't vote for The Last of Us 2 for everything. There are some some things we voted for The Last of Us 2 Part 2 for, but um, not everything. And uh, I was actually kind of surprised that it won almost every single award it was nominated for. I think the only thing it didn't win was, uh, I think it was Best Music, I think, was the one category it was nominated for and it didn't win. Because um, that went to uh, a different game. But not not the last of us part two. So, yeah, um, that was the out of all the the things that happened as far as the awards themselves. That was the one that, that surprised me the most because Sean and I did like a, a predictions video before we went into the game awards. And honestly, out of uh, the awards that we kind of picked out of who would win, and who we thought should win, most of them kind of lined up with what actually was voted for. Sure. Um, also, like it's a one a category like best direct uh, game direction, that one really surprised me with the, for the game awards being the Last of Us Part Two, with everything that happened with the 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 stories from from Naughty Dog last year. Um, but at the same time, most of the stuff was was pretty rudimentary. Obviously, we knew Animal Crossing was going to win Best Family. Mm-hmm. We knew that um, Best Performance was going to be either Ashley Johnson or Laurie Bailey. And I mean, thankfully, the the correct winner was which was Laura Bailey. Um, and for the most part, yeah, it, it kind of played out how I thought it would. But what do you think about the overall awards? Was there anything that really stuck out to you, Todd? Uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, they had a couple of I mean, and, and I think one of my biggest concerns was uh, I, I really hope they fix eventually how they do the cadence of awards <laughs> and how they present them. So they have a little more room to breathe in between yeah. the announcements, because I think I, I felt like, wow, uh, I think they did all of the esports awards in one breath. The funny part was Stephen A. Smith doing the esports award, which I'm like, oh wow, he's gonna murder some of those names. But, but you know, that was okay. perfect though. Like, oh Stephen yeah, A. Smith, it was great. I think is is the type of person you want for the esports awards because oh, they're, yeah. they're sports. And he, if you want a guy in the know sports, you got Stephen A. Smith right there. Absolutely. I, I was thinking one of the big surprises was best RPG winner 
Um, my son is probably one of the biggest Persona 5 fans in the world. He yeah. played both Persona 5 and Royale. Um, for, for some reason, he's not too excited about Strikers. Um, but I think he will get excited when he actually kind of hears it's kind of like a, a, a canon sequel in a sense. So I think he'll like that. He even likes the anime. But I was surprised that that did not win Final Fantasy VII Remake. Although even Persona 5 Royale and Remake, they're both kind of like versions of similar games but obviously final fantasy 7 is um a remake in many ways other than just the fact that it looks better well it's not uh, so much that i think that what what it came down to and i know this definitely came up when we were uh debating between uh winners for that category was i think persona 5 the problem with persona 5 royal is that it's very similar to the base game yes mm -hmm. there is new content in throughout even throughout the story but in a lot of ways, it's so similar to the original product that it's hard to tell them apart, especially if you look at it from Absolutely. a very like wide uh, market. And you have to also think about the people that are voting for these awards, too, because um, not everyone's put the hundred hours it takes to get to the end of Persona 5 Royal when you actually get to see a lot of that new stuff, like really change the story um, versus a game like Final Fantasy 7 Remake. What what makes that probably more des more deserving the as the winner for a lot of people is just that it's a completely different take on that game like it's yeah. a completely different game from the first game uh, i mean it, it's not even the full game it's just the first uh first part the first section of it but it feels kind of like a full product regardless of the fact that it's only the first five hours of final fantasy 7 the original wow. um but it, it adds so much to that story that i think that probably gave it the edge over persona 5 even though I really was pulling for Persona 5 Royal, like uh, that was my personal pick of of those games. Uh, but I think wh when you have to evaluate it from a critical eye, I think that's the point a lot of people were looking at it at. I think that's a fair take. I really do. Plus, it's I guess recency is a thing as well, because I think most people, uh, the excitement of Persona 5 was a few years ago. Royal was, the, the I would say, the hardcore fans. I'm not sure if many more people discovered persona 5 with royale maybe they did but yeah with final fantasy 7 remake that was a game once again story passed never thought this thing was going to come out finally did and it the fact that it came out as well as it did is pretty impressive well not only that but it really it was a game that i was really surprised at because it really appealed to a lot of people who weren't into final fantasy mm -hmm. or people who weren't into final fantasy 7 like who played that original game couldn't get into it and then really got into this one and even though i have my own personal problems with the game such as the game's ending or the way that some of the middle chapters kind of drag on forever um i i still think it, it's a great choice and uh it was the type of game that out of the list of game nominees for a game of the year that was actually the one i was probably pulling for the most of of those five games sure I, I do think that uh that one was really up there but uh but yeah so yeah i mean it's uh it's a shame because persona uh, i mean even though it did win in 2017 i would have loved to see persona win here but uh but yeah a lot of that has to do with recency bias uh but you have to remember too that um a lot of the other rpgs in that category came out even newer than persona absolutely like yakuza for example came out kind of when we were nominating games for the for the game awards um and then wasteland which came out a, only a couple months ago so um i do think that it plays into it a little bit but it's not the the end all be all factor i think when it comes to some of this stuff absolutely so uh I, yeah i i was really uh, overall from the awards uh perspective i i still think it's a 
work in progress. I think the fact that they were able to put on a show that was as professional as it was, um, that they were able to get the nominees and people uh, involved as well was great. And some of the music was fantastic. Um, I, I thought uh, some of the presentations were excellent. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's only going to get better. I mean, going back to what the, what was it? The the Spike VGX back in yep. the day with the uh, Gillette man. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the Chic Hydrobot as Glenn yes. would call him. Um, yeah, I mean, the, my only complaint about the show itself, because I think that, to your point, it was really well done this year, is just I wish it was shorter. Oh, I yeah. wish they could somehow get it down to two hours with a with a three with a, like a thirty minute pre show, I think. Or if you want to cram more announcements in, have a have a longer pre show, but then make the uh, actual award show two hours. I think. I think that. Well, Ryan, you know, how are you going to get the show any shorter when you've got a trailer? For a game that I don't think anybody even knew what it was, uh, the Black Desert or was it Crimson uh, Desert? Crimson Desert because Black Desert's already a game that already. Oh exists. my! That's why I'm so confused. I'm like, I know there was like an MMO from Korea at one point. Well, that I think it was it's Black still Desert. around. Was it's that? still yeah. very popular. My yeah. brother Kyle, my older brother, he's obsessed with Black Desert, and he tells me all about it. And actually, it's a game that uh, I because I did a special episode of the Extra Mile on on the Xbox Drive talking about MMOs on Xbox, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the two that if you've never played a, an MMO before, I think that's probably the, one of the easiest ones to get into. But Crimson Desert is a game from the same studio that t- takes place in the Black Desert universe. Okay, but it's a single player RPG. Um, but trying to tell a story, it looks it looks gorgeous. Like that game looks awesome. But uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it'll actually turn out because, um, yeah, I, I really I actually think Black Desert's actually an underratedly fun game as far as that action RPG is concerned. And yes, it's an MMO, so it's got MMO trappings in it. But I'm curious to see what the studio is going to do with like a single player version of that game in that universe. That but yeah, I know I can, ima- I can imagine it fight dragons. Yeah, you can Sorry? dogfight dragons. You can do yeah. anything. This game was like, what is this game? It's crazy. It also was a, like a five-minute trailer, and there was no voice acting, which was weird, too. It was very odd. Well, I mean, that's that's a game trailer from, from those guys, which, again, they don't have voice acting usually in their trailers. They're voice, act, voice acting in the game, there's a ton of it, but in the trailers, there's never any, which is bizarre. Yeah, because I, I remember watching the stream with Sean, and he was, he was also mystified. He's like, what are we watching? And, and then I explained it to him. He's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because him and I had talked about Black Desert before a few times on the podcast. Yeah, so I, I, a couple of things that were exciting to me was it was just awesome. I mean, Jeff Keighley loves Muppets, and so we finally got some more Muppet action with the Swedish chef uh, basically becoming a character that was free in Overcooked, All You Can Eat. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I, I don't really have the the sentimental or, or the nostalgia for the uh, – for the Swedish chef, but I'm glad to see that that beloved character again. Anytime you see him up in a video game, it's a good thing. So absolutely good. I, I, I'm glad to see Swedish chef in there. I mean, and again, it just brings back all those old days of playing uh, the the count on NES or uh, many other Sesame Street games because there were like seven of them on the NES. So there was you go. it once upon once upon a, once upon a time a Muppet that was a Connect exclusive. Oh, even better, even better. <laughs> Got to bust out your Connect <laughs> interact with Muppets. <laughs> it's trapped on that uh, camera. Um, I just thought so, it was hilarious though that they actually because they always have Muppets on. The, oh yeah. The, the the award shows, but then they finally had an announcement actually tied into a Muppet this year. I thought that was pretty clever. 
Yes, very good. I love the Swedish Chef. Uh, but w- some real announcements, though. I mean, I think what you said, the the big things that they announced really at the very beginning of the show, uh, one of the first things was a new Smash character. Yeah. Um, Sephiroth, we just talked about Final Fantasy VII, an iconic villain, iconic music, uh, the second Final Fantasy character coming to Smash. Um, I am not the biggest Smash fan. My son is excited about it. He has the Smash Pass. Um, I think this is pretty cool, and I think people are excited that uh, Final Fantasy VII will get more content within Smash Brothers. Yeah, actually, this announcement got me super hyped. I am so excited to see Sephiroth come to Smash. It's a character that I know people have been asking for forever, like back when they used to do the Smash Bowls. Like, Sephiroth actually was pretty high on the list, along with Cloud and Sora and other Square Enix characters, but uh, I think that, of course, the one thing Smash needed is another sword user, so I'm glad oh, yeah. that finally, finally we have another sword user in, in Smash, but, I mean, to be fair, anyone who knows Sephiroth knows that he's not just a sword user, he uses a, he's a ton of magic attacks, so I'm really interested to see how that character is going to play out in the actual game, but more than anything, Todd, the most the thing I'm most excited about for that announcement is we're getting a Sephiroth amiibo, which oh, is going to go yes. awesome on my shelf with my two cloud amiibos because I got one for each of the, the costumes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm more excited for that than anything. But this is the type of thing that will actually get me, Ryan Turford, to reinstall Smash Brothers, which I ne- probably ne- wouldn't have done for many other characters, I think. I think it's due out tomorrow. Well, I know the, the Sakurai presentation is tomorrow, but we don't know. Oh, that's we don't have a release date. They said December, right? But it's to be fair, most of the time when they do these Sakurai pre- presents with the characters, it's usually either out that day or out by sure. like the end of the week. Especially it's off on a Thursday, which is when the eShop updates. So I would imagine it will probably actually be tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see that the stage because they showed it a little bit in the trailer. And it kind of looks like the... Uh, the crater that you fight Sephiroth in at the end of Final Fantasy VII. Um, and it, it looked like you got the airship in the background and stuff from, like, Sid's airship. So I, I'm excited to see that stage and some of the music we might get, because maybe we'll get some of the music from Final Fantasy VII Remake or some of the Crisis Core music, which is that the PSP Final Fantasy VII offshoot, um, or just some other music from the original game. Like, I think all that stuff is super exciting, especially being a big Final Fantasy fan. And we probably will get some more Mii Fighters, because they typically throw those in when they have new announcements as well. Yep, so then we can finally get sad over who's not going to make it in Smash. We got from, Red 7 or whatever, uh, maybe. <laughs> or Oh, yeah. Or even like characters like Travis Touchdown, which I know is still oh, yes. about that uh, he's a Mii costume instead of actually being in the game. Um, I'm, I'm just waiting for them to add a Geno costume so that we can never <laughs> so we can stop asking for Geno in Smash Brothers. Absolutely. Oh, uh, then um, we got, uh, you know, where we we heard rumors. Fortnite's been on fire. Uh, Donald Muster's like, that's going to be the biggest news announcements in the world. And we got Master Chief being defrosted from a convenience store, Ryan. Yeah. In Fortnite for the very first time. And what was cool about this announcement is now we have Kratos and and uh, Master Chief, two huge mascots from Sony and Microsoft in Fortnite. I mean, I don't play Fortnite at all, but this got me uh, interested in actually reinstalling Fortnite. I haven't yet, but um, I might actually install it before they remove Master Chief as an option because because it's a time thing. They actually you can only have so much time to buy him. Um, but I also love too that they, it's not just Master Chief either. They brought Blood Gulch in as one of the creative maps, which is sweet. So if you want to relive uh, some memories of playing Blood Gulch, you can definitely do that. Although to be fair, we are playing that a lot because we do have a Saturday night Halo. Mm-hmm 
thing going on over the at the Xbox Drive, Xbox Drive, and uh, so we are actually playing lots of Blood Gulch lately. So it is almost kind of timely for us because we kind of have like a big Halo group going, and uh, we've been playing a ton of it lately. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's cool to see some of the other characters come to Fortnite. But I really now want to see who Nintendo is going to bring to this table if they bring anyone. They gotta bring someone. It's gotta be Samus first of all. But also, I mean, even if it's not Samus, Nintendo's gotta bring someone to this table. I, I think that was one of the things because Donald Mustard was on there and he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, this is when it's going to come out. Of course, then what do we get? We get uh, Daryl and Michonne from The Walking Dead brought in. I think that really hurt a lot of people's hearts because they're like, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but people like The Walking Dead, I guess. I they do. They do. Yeah. But it kind of was funny because I think people were expecting that Samus or, or some other announcement. But uh, maybe well, the it's going to be Star Fox. It too, with, uh, but right before the announcement, the, 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 the tweet from the Fortnite Twitter account was literally, hey, we're adding – look for an exciting announcement of a new bounty hunter coming to mm-hmm. Smash Brothers. And in the GIF, it's uh, the, the character whose name I'm blanking on from Fortnite flipping out of the portal the same way that Samus does in Metroid Prime. And I'm like, come on, man. Is not is it? It's not Samus. What do you? What's what? What? If it's not Samus, who is who? Why are you teasing me like this? Why are you breaking my heart like this? Samus, by yeah. the way, is my favorite video game character, so I'm hoping. Absolutely, she absolutely. Do you have the little uh, uh, mother brain or uh, Metroid uh, amiibo? I have all the Metroid amiibos, bo- both from the Metroid Samus Returns lines, but also okay. the Sma- all, every single Smash one, including Ridley and, and Dark Samus. I also have. Multiple art art prints of Samus adorning my walls in my apartment, and multiple Samus figures up on my shelf. So, I to say I like Metroid is uh, it's a bit of a nervous understatement. That was a silly question of me. Uh, then we also then go to something very exciting for Xbox fans. The initiative has been very secretive about what game they're going to make. It's their quadruple A game, and I saw this trailer about eco eco something something something. Yeah. Jargon. I'm like eco destruction and some exactly weird like stuff. hmm. And we are getting. I don't know where this lines up, but we are getting a new Perfect Dark game. So they actually ha- released a developer in- interview after the Game Awards ended. It's like a four minute interview, so it's very short. Um, and it's on the the Xbox YouTube page if you want to check it out. Um, and it's actually a reboot of the game, so it's oh, not okay. in the main story. It's a complete reboot of Perfect Dark but under the, the vision of the initiative, which I think is probably the smartest move um, if you're going to reboot um, Perfect Dark, I think, because it's it's a franchise that is near and dear to some people's hearts, but I know a lot of people now, they've heard of Perfect Dark, but they've never played the original games. Um, so I don't think that they really needed to keep going with the original story. I'm glad that it's actually a reinvention of Perfect Dark. And it's something, you know, as someone who's been podcasting now for five plus years, there's one question we get a lot when you when you podcast, and the question is, what game franchise deserves to come back the most that's been dead forever? And my answer for the last three years has been Perfect Dark. It's always been Perfect Dark. That's the game I've wanted to see come back the most because I think that when done well, it can be like a, a Splinter Cell-esque top-tier spy game. And I think that's what the initiative is going to do here. That's what it sounds like, that the direction they're going in. And I c- cannot even describe how excited i am for this game i i mean from the moment i saw the trailer i uh like i i I had to apologize to sean's eardrums because i got a little too excited when we when we saw when i saw the datadine logo come up and then revealed that it was perfect dark like i could not believe that that was 
that it was actually real. We had heard rumors for months that the initiative's game was going to be Perfect Dark, but they were talking about some of the rumors were talking about how it would be like an offshoot of Perfect Dark, like it would be like in the Perfect Dark universe, but not about it uh, about Jonah Dark. But obviously, we we heard otherwise now that it is actually a re- just a reboot of Perfect Dark, but with Joanna Dark. And yeah, I am I am so excited for this game, and I think it could be done really well. I mean, I know a lot of people were asking the question. Should the with with a game coming from a Xbox's first quadruple A studio, should that really be Perfect Dark or should that be a new IP or I don't know something bigger like Halo or Gears? But I'm actually glad that it's they that uh, they kind of have. It sounds like they had their pick of what franchise or what thing they wanted to work on. And it sounds like the team pitched this idea when they were pitching their game that they wanted to work on Perfect Dark, and that gets me excited more than anything because I think. They wouldn't be doing this with this studio if they didn't have a really good idea for uh, what they want to do with this game. And uh, I'm I'm so excited to see what they do with this. For some reason, I always thought The Coalition would be the studio that made that game. I remember when The Coalition was announced and they had that short trailer for that secret game they were making. And yeah, it was very much spy they were also working inspired. on a spy game. Yeah, yeah, I was on like that kind of made sense, but obviously they're deep in within Gears, probably making Gears six, getting that ready as they move more content for Gears five. So it was kind of interesting, but I, I'm glad to see that series get rebooted because essentially that series has two games uh, mm-hmm. from consoles now that are two generations past and beyond. You can play them on Rare Replay if you really want to, but um, I would say two is kind of a mixed bag and one is beloved, but um, it's it's a really old game. So storytelling has come a long ways. Technology has come a long ways and just expectations what studios can do is great. So I'd love to see what their take is. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's one of the, it's probably the game I'm most excited about from Microsoft that we know about. Because, I mean, Fable's exciting, Halo Infinite's exciting, but man, Perfect Dark is the game I'm personally most excited to see what they do with the most. I just wish there was more games coming in 2021, but... Yeah, I mean, other than Halo, that's it. And Psychonauts. Absolutely. I yeah. keep forgetting about Psychonauts too, but that game's also coming out. Oh, that's right. I, oh, I'm excited. That's going to be yeah. fun. That's going to be really that, good game. That will push me to finally beat Psychonauts, because I played it on every oh, system it's ever come out on. That I started. So I know I start it and I stop. I start it and I stop. Oh well, I will get to it. Uh, Hopefully, it's on my, when, it's when we talk about it on the crossroads, you'll actually be inspired to finish it then. <laughs> I think so. It's Mark and I have also said um, uh, Hellblade is another game I've started many times but never finished. But we said we would get we would play that together once we get closer to the sequel coming out. So we've got so we've got a path towards finishing some of these games. And both those it. games are pretty short. Like Hellblade, you can finish yeah. that in like an afternoon if you wanted to. So there absolutely. Uh, so one surprise that was very exciting to me, uh, you know, I I have gotten back into some retro gaming. I own a Xbox 360 because to me it's the best way to still tap into a lot of Xbox's history because of like we said, the licensed games just aren't available on Xbox One. They just yeah. can't. So Xbox 360 though, I think largely most games are compatible or are still work um you still have to dig for them i think uh i think only one of the lord of the rings games is backwards compatible for some reason and yeah it's rest. just return return of the king but not to two hours it's so weird well yeah. also that you forgot about the fellowship of the ring which also was on the original xbox and is also not backwards compatible but that game sucks no one cares about that game yeah exactly so i have one I mean, of it's the, based off lord the, of the book. Rings games so. yeah so I and I love it. So uh, I love that. But one of the game series that I love, uh, I've been digging into these some of these licensed game, and I really did not expect to see 
the Evil Dead Return. Yeah. This is exciting. It looks like it's a four-player uh, co-op action game. Uh, it looks like it's going to be based more off of uh, some of the characters that were in the Ash versus the Evil Dead series as well. And I love the uh, Evil Dead games. I think I've got two on uh, to play on my Xbox 360 or that were on the Xbox One. Um, so I'm excited for this. I don't know what I mean. It says 2021. I don't know much about the developer, but I'm, I'm just excited because I think that's a property that even though Bruce Campbell gets older and older, I think Ash is still kick ass. Yeah, and honestly, like the Evil Dead franchise is surprisingly popular right now. So yeah. I think it's actually ripe for a good video game adaptation, a, mod- a good modern video game adaptation. Um, I am curious to see what the gameplay is going to be like because we saw snippets of it from the trailer, but we don't know, first of all, if it's going to be a single player uh, or multiplayer game or both, or if it's going to be in like an online only game like for Friday the 13th or Predator Hunting Grounds, for example, um, or if there's going to be. Um, like how much of that is like left for dead or if it's uh, like what what's going on with that game in general. So um, I'm really curious to see what the game's going to actually play like and what kind of game it actually is. If it is more just like left for dead, but with evil dead, sign me up. I'm excited. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Just toss a little storyline on there. Have Ash say his one liners. We're good to go. I'll take it. Um, now, Ryan, I don't know about you, but um, I, I've really been missing seeing uh, Vin Diesel's face in video games. <laughs> Oh, here we go. And I didn't know what this game was. I saw Vin Diesel. I'm like, oh, my God. We that's... thought it was Turok until they had actually announced what it was. I, I, I'm like, no, no, no. This it, it doesn't even look right. It's like it took me completely out of the experience. I don't know why he was. He's been in video games before. He's I been mean, in many video games before. <laughs> exactly. I think he was in the that great Fast and Furious game we just got. <laughs> oh, he was in that lovely game. But he was also in the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from exactly. Bank, one of the is, best original Xbox games, which has been made remade on on 360. Yeah, I mean, so and I think he even ran a video game company. I don't think he still does. He still does. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. So, but we got this game, and then we find out that after all this is done, Vin Diesel versus dinosaurs versus lizard people, um, it's Arc Two, and it's an exclusive for. Uh, is it exclusive for Xbox? It's exclusive for Xbox and PC. And so, is this actually going to be like a story-based game, or because I know Arc is kind of more of a survival game, so this is just weird. Nobody knows. No one knows what this game's going to be. I mean, I would imagine it's going to be like the the survival multiplayer game that arc survival evolved is but uh i mean who knows who who knows they didn't really dive too much into what this game's actually going to be they just wanted you to know that vin diesel was in it he fights dinosaurs and that there's an animated series coming and that it's exclusive to xbox that's it that's all we know about it well do we know if it's all about family um no because then it would be too close to the fast and furious crossroads which (laughs) which they don't want to get too close to that game um even though again that's not even the worst game i played this year so Ooh, ooh, that's yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, out of this, I think the last thing that was truly interesting to me was the Callisto protocol. Pro- right. Protocol. Um, it's by Glenn Schofield of Sledgehammer. Well, it's no longer Sledgehammer Games. He he created a new studio, but he's the guy that was behind Dead Space. And apparently, EA just is not interested in making that series anymore. Because I'm like, he could have pitched it back to EA, and they probably could have brought back dead space but apparently they're not going to so we are get a game that he's calling a spiritual successor to dead space and he says he wants it to be one of the scariest games of all time i mean in the immortal words of dead space that or not of dead space in the immortal words of ea they said that dead space 3 had to sell 5 million copies in order for them to make a sequel to it 
and it it didn't because Dead Space Three, no one liked that game. So no. so that's the reason why they 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 can't do another Dead Space game with EA. Uh, but this looks like the spiritual successor to Dead Space that I've been waiting for forever. I mean, I'm this this game gets me super excited because I love the original Dead Space. Um, it's my second favorite game on the Xbox 360. Um, it's one of my favorite ge- horror games of all time, and I'm so happy that Glenn and a lot of the team, because believe it or not, this team that's working on this is made up of more than just Glenn who worked on Dead Space. It's a lot of the people who worked are working there used to work at Visceral, so mm-hmm. we're getting a lot of the older. Mem- uh, members of that team who worked on Dead Space and Dead Space 2. So I'm excited to see what they do with this. And uh, I've also heard to- there, there's also, I, I've heard that this game also some somehow ties into the PUBG universe somehow. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Again, I don't think they talked about it too much and I don't, I, and uh, to be fair, it could be incorrect, but I've heard, I've heard that from a number of sources. So I'm actually curious to see how that'll play into things but for the most part it doesn't matter because if, if, if it's anything like the original dead space or dead space 2 like that's a ryan turfer game right there i am so excited for it yeah the twist is this time it's a space dentist not a space engineer oh. you use dentistry tools yes exactly <laughs> you gotta throw your uh your your dentist drill at the at a, a necromorph's face or something this time yeah an acid spewing uh, uh water picks yes Exactly. It, it writes itself. Uh, but, okay, I lied. I didn't say the last thing. The last thing, that, what I would say, plays into that same story about a franchise that apparently no one wanted to make. So the people that made that franchise go and make their own game, and that's Back for Blood. Apparently yep. Valve does not want to make another Left 4 Dead, nope. so they're making their own Left 4 Dead. And Valve owns Back the license Blood. to Left 4 Dead, so they, they couldn't just license it. So, yeah, Back for Blood. Um, Turtle Rock Studios back from from beyond the grave after the uh, the post evolve era of of uh, Turtle Rock Studios. But I'm so glad that they're, they're back with with the I think the game that they probably wanted to do more than anything rather than evolve like evolve was a good experiment, I think. But uh, it just didn't really work out from the game department. But uh, man, yeah, Back for Blood looks fantastic. Like it looks like the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead that we've wanted ever since Left 4 Dead 2 ended. I think. And Left 4 Dead 2 is still an amazing game today if you go, if you go back and replay it. So, yeah, I'm actually really excited for this one. Again, lots of lots of really interesting um, announcements from the Game Awards, or lots of new trailers. This one, you can definitely tell from the trailer, too, that it, this is probably the most complete game oh, absolutely. that we saw at the Game Awards. Like, this one, it looks like it's ready to go. And well, they showed gameplay about Back even for there. Blood. Yeah. yeah. We've been hearing about Back for Blood for years now, so I'm finally glad that it's finally coming out next year. Which is exciting. Was there anything uh, else you were excited last about? Last thing I want to touch on, touch on, I'm glad that you brought it up. Thank you, Todd. Is uh, a game that is out nowhere anytime soon, and that's Mass Effect 4. Oh, I, yes. That trailer got, gave me chills. I am excited for that. And and I loved what they did with the trailer, because unlike the Dragon Age trailer that didn't really tell us anything about Dragon Age, this, like, 30 second trailer of Mass Effect told us where this where they are going with the story of this, where you've got an older Liara with if you look in the background, you can see out of focus a Krogan, a Solarian and a uh, a Turian in the background. So it looks like we've got Garrus as well as Rex or Grunt, depending on which uh, which Krogan you've got there um, looking for Shepard. And you also see um, some decayed ruins of a, a Reaper that's died. You also see in in the space orbiting shots, you get to see you see a destroyed mass relay. Because do, first of all, Todd, am I allowed to spoil the end of Mass Effect Three? I think you can. Okay, so spoiler alert for Mass Effect Three if you care. 
But essentially, at the end of that game, you get one of three choices. And depending on your choice, the, the game goes a certain way. And it looks like they're taking the destroy ending as the canonical ending, because that's also the only ending where Shepard actually lives at the end, where Shepard actually basically takes a breath if you actually get enough resources from multiplayer to unlock that ending. Um, and I thought that that trailer got me so excited for Mass Effect 4, even though, again, it's probably years away. Like, that game is probably just entering pre-production. And it literally, the trailer just told us Mass Effect is is not dead and is still coming. But, uh, uh, man, I'm really excited for, for Mass Effect. Again, I love the, the, that uh, it's not going to be a sequel to Andromeda. It's going to be a direct sequel to the past games, which is something I never thought they would do with the way that those games ended. And uh, yeah, I was super excited to actually see that there, even with all the stuff that we know is going on over at Bioware. I know they've had a lot of turnover and with Casey Hudson leaving, for example, I'm a little bit worried about this game, but I'm glad at least what they've shown us for the story shows us that they've got a good first direction for where the story is going. So it gives me some hope that uh, it's going somewhere. Whereas the, the Dragon Age trailer, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on with this game. <laughs> when is it coming? Come on, guys. You have to make something because we need something to wash our mouth out after. Some well, you have to the... also forget they're also yeah. working on Anthem 2.0 at, this, at the same time as well as they're doing all this other stuff. Yeah. So and, and, and as well, like Austin, I know, is working on some of this stuff. And Austin is still still creating content for the, the Old Republic, the MMO. So, I mean, they're they can't work on everything themselves. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going on with Bioware? But I thought that was a great announcement as well. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because Mass Effect is my favorite uh, series from last gen. Absolutely loved it. Not last. Well, I guess last gen, last gen uh, <laughs> on 360. Yeah, I, I loved it so much. Um, and I, I just love that universe so much. That, I mean, it's one of my favorite universes. And I think there's so much more to do with it. So um, I, I just love the fact that that it's not going to be left behind. Hopefully, Bioware survives and we do get that game. I can't wait. Um, and we are getting a legendary edition, which I think they've just put up for presale now. Um, and I don't know who's working on that, quite honestly. But uh, I'm excited for that, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm also interested to see what changes or if they change anything is coming to uh, the legendary edition of the game, because, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It could be uh, it could be anything, as uh, Sean Capri says, I say a lot. It could be anything. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see also what if they what they do to Mass Effect one in particular, because I know it's a, a game that uh, a lot of people have a tough time getting into. Um, but I am hoping that it turns out OK. So or or uh, or if they don't change it too much, I should say as well. That was the Mass Effect was the reason I bought an Xbox 360. Same. It was the uh, the first Mass even though I bought my 360 at launch, that initial trailer for Mass Effect that we saw like maybe a month before the console came out, I was like, yep, I'm buying one of these. I don't I don't need a PS5 PS3 right away I don't, because I want Mass Effect because I loved BioWare's games on the original Xbox so much with Night Zero Republic and Jade Empire that I knew I was all in on Mass Effect. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ryan, it's been a journey. Thank you for joining. Thank you for supporting us uh, with, with Mark being gone. I know he would have loved to be here. He was really excited about having you on. So you know what? That may mean we need to have you on in a few days. I was just going to say, to, that just yeah. means you need me back at some point. That's Absolutely. Fun. Like you've left something behind at our house. So you have to come back and get it. God, that was your tactic all along, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have played that before. Oh, well. Well, Ryan, tell people how they can find you. 
All right. So you can follow me on uh, the Internet on Twitter at Ryan Turford. That's T-U-R-F-O-R-D because everybody always asks. You can also find our podcast, The Xbox Drive, on Twitter at The Xbox Drive, on YouTube at YouTube.com slash The Xbox Drive or your podcast service of choice. It is your weekly dose of 40 minutes of Xbox goodness with both myself and Sean Capri telling you all about the Xbox uh news and other things whatever we want to talk about on xbox that week but we also do as we talked about a little bit earlier other shows like the extra mile where we do reviews and other deeper discussions for some games as well as um we also do the crossroads which is a weekly series that i do on the show all about the original xbox we're counting down to the 20th anniversary of the original xbox can you believe that next year is the 20th birthday of xbox like i can't even believe it's that been that long like halo is almost a 20 year old game when takes me back to playing Buffy on the original Xbox. Yes, exactly. Which was an older, was an earlier, uh, earlier game on the original Xbox. So, yeah, there you go. So that's where you can find me. I'm all on all the things there. Also, I, I stream Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Standard Time on uh, YouTube. So on YouTube.com/slash/the uh, Xbox Drive, you can find me there. Also, I stream from time to time on for non-Xbox games on my personal Twitch, Twitch.tv/slash Ryan Turford for that. There you go. You got all the plugs from me. Where can people find you, Todd? Oh, my goodness. Well, I first want to say thank you, Ryan. This has been a pleasure. I will say this. The fact that you don't use kilometers, you use miles instead is very weird. I also because... lived in te- Texas for three years. So okay. That Perfectly fine me. then. Yeah. But but definitely check their stuff out. It's the only podcast I know that is uh, partially done in a car. Ryan is sitting in his chair. Sean is in his car. It's very bizarre, and the video even shows you that it's actually real. You may be able to, in the future, episode to request what Sean actually buys at McDonald's, which is very cool as well. And hopefully now he has all of the Looney Tunes. That's all I want to know. He said today he he thinks he has them all. He was checking Perfect. the guide online, but he's pretty sure he has all the Looney Tunes toys. And I don't it's know been if a he weekly journey. He's been trying to collect them every week. And I don't know if he shared them with his children either, so who knows? Uh, he's been telling me he has been. Okay, but, uh, that's good. He's a good dad. One would say. Anyways, well, that, yeah. So thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do this. This was a fun, fun way to spend uh, two hours on a Wednesday night. Perfect. Uh, so as Ryan said, how do you follow us? Uh, at co underscore mode underscore pod. Oh, that's such a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> at t oxtra and at the underscore canardian on Twitter. That's how you can reach us, uh, ask us questions, or tell us what you're thinking about in the world of uh, video games. Uh, we also have a Facebook group and page if you want to check it out there and join the discussion there. We have shirts on TeePublic. Uh, it's really fun. I've got a few. Some people have ordered them, so if you want to support that. And all the, all the proceeds for those shirts go to help out uh, sick kids, and that's through Charlie's uh, cosplay group where they go and they make sure kids sick kids get presents and things when they're in the hospital. Very good cause. Um, and then, obviously, we have a lot of podcasts. The SF Network now has four podcasts. Star Wars, which is the Holocron Chronicles, which he, uh, Mark and Charlie have started, which is monthly. Code 47, which is all about the world of Star Trek with Charlie and Alex. Uh, we have Secret Friends Unite, which is all about geek media. And, of course, Co-op Mode Podcast. So hopefully you can enjoy that, and it's on podcast streams wherever you get them. And lastly, once again, it's always better to game together. Hey, Louie!
You're going to buy a video game. All right. Hey, the Atari 2600. Old news, Louie. Check out the Gemini system from Coleco. It plays all the same games. It's about the same price. And Gemini comes with Donkey Kong. It is joystick plays better than Atari. And you get a built-in paddle. And coupons worth 25 bucks for all these arcade cartridges. <laughs> okay, Gemini. Smart, Louie. Smart. Remember, Gemini beats Atari by one hand controller, a cartridge, and $25 in free coupons.